pleasure to meet you, your meowjesty. So it was you who delivered one's treasure back to one, hmm? Aye, that's right. Yes, your meowjesty. And you wish for a prize, hmm? Yes, we need your magic wand. You mean this wand right here? Hey, you just knocked it onto the floor. Oh my, was that me? I just can't help myself, meow. Oh dear, the king seems to be broken hearted. Um, do you think he's just being a cat? What gives you that impression? I'm gonna get you. Because <laughs> now he's knocking the wand around the floor. My goodness, are those new shoes? Well, no, but they're... <laughs> Hey, he horked the hairball right on my shoes. Okay, you know what? Yeah, I might be right. Come on, let's go back to the real world. I know how to deal with this. We'll just need some tuna and a cardboard box. And now the song of my people. Meow, meow. In the early 2000s, Kelly Ryan and Matt Mason were sent to Backlog Prison for the crime of owning too many games. These RP gamers promptly escaped with help from their staff to the internet underground. Today, still drowning in unplayed games, they survive as podcasters with no fortune. If you have a backlog, if no one else can help, well, you've already found them. It's our A-Team of RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast for your news, Q&A Quest for your feedback, and we're here for your nostalgia. I am your host, Kelly Ryan, and with me, as always, um, the Oliver to my drippy, Mr. Matt Mason. I was hoping I was going to be your B.A. Baracus, but, you oh, know. Oh, I, I, I forgot about the uh, <laughs> new intro, but yes, you'll always be my Mr. T. Woohoo! But, uh, you, yeah, I, I can be uh, Oliver. I can be Drippy. I can be... I can be familiar. Whoever. I'm a uh, familiar host. So what's hilarious is that you sent me that new intro when I was sick as a dog. And for the rest of the day, I had that song stuck in my head in like a fever <laughs> dream. So th- thank you for that. <laughs> no, you're um, welcome. I'm glad to have uh, provided <laughs> some really memorable moments there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm feeling better. Uh, also, hopefully feeling better is Pascal Takaya. I don't remember if he was also sick or I think that was just me that was, as I quote, <laughs> hopped up on NyQuil. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sick. I'm I'm <laughs> feeling I'm feeling just uh, I'm feeling very neato. That's good. And then br- brand new to the show. I got that. I yeah, got yeah, that. I was, that was a game reference. OK, <laughs> uh, they will get better show. as we go. Sorry. No, it's cool. Um, for the very first time, Mr. John Jansen. Hello. Sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> I thought that my call cut out. Like, Wait a minute. My internet's my internet's really good now. But hello, hello, John. Hello, I'm here. It, it it is nice to meet you. Um, welcome to the first the first time on Backtrack. So, um, we need to know what's your favorite RPG. Oh, my favorite RPG it probably just changed. It, it's probably Tales of Arise. Uh, it was Vesper. I'm a Tales nerd, if anybody didn't know that. I'm all Tales all the time. 
But uh, Arise, Arise tickled my fancy. I really liked every single bit of that game. Even though I know people didn't like the ending. I love the ending. Uh, so oh, I, Arise is probably my number one right now. I, I love nice. that game. You'll have to check the schedule to see what other Tales games we've got this year. Because I think we have a couple of them scheduled. Do we really? Yes. Oh, because I would, I would love that. Hey, have you played Symphonia? I have. That was one I played co-op with my brother. It was fantastic. Uh, it's one of it's also one of my favorite games. But yeah, Symphonia was real because I what was great too, I was also playing Final Fantasy games in order. So I was kind of seeing like how RPGs kind of got developed from, you know, I started eight. I haven't played seven originally yet, but I played eight all the way up to ten, and Symphonia was kind of right around the same time, I think a couple of years after. So it was it was cool to see, you know, RPGs and how they kind of developed awesome. throughout the years. Awesome. Well, we, we aren't talking about uh, any of that, though. We are talking something Bandai Namco adjacent, though they published and Level 5 actually developed. We are talking the original Nino Kuni, this show. Well, not the original. original. Well, no, not the DS game, because <laughs> I don't think any of us played the DS game. We're talking about the PlayStation 3 game. Um, we, I, we wanted to have Michael Baker on to talk about the the ds game but unfortunately he lives in japan so that's like what 14 hours ahead or behind i can't yeah. remember the time he, no Go he's ahead. uh he, he's working right now i'm sure oh so, well yeah. we missed early, early, early morning stuff to get him um, on um we were we were also gonna have andy on again too but unfortunately he is also sick I, that's why i thought pascal was sick i got him confused with andy my bad, but yes, Nino Cooney, uh, St- Studio Ghibli's first foray into video games. Even though Papa Miyazaki probably hated the idea of them doing a video game, he hates everything though. Apparently, we found that out. He doesn't yeah, like. Yeah, I've I've heard that he's kind of a cantankerous old fart. Great animator though. Yeah, which is kind of weird for all of his characters and stories being this coming of age stories, and it's all so wholesome. And he is anything but. It seems like. <laughs> Maybe it's just his inner child screaming to get out. And then his kid goes on and makes a movie and he completely just torches it. It's like, wow, great coming of age story for your son. That's uh, that's amazing, Miyazaki. Good for you. Yeah. So to be fair on uh, Mr. Miyazaki's behalf, I thought that Tales from Earthsea was so boring that it literally put me to sleep. It was terrible. And you know what? I watched it multiple times because I could not believe how absolutely terrible it was. Because it had all the ingredients to be good and it just Mm -hmm. fell flat on everything. And I've watched it multiple times because of that. And I have yet to watch uh, Earwig and the Witch, though I've heard mixed feelings about that one, too. Um, is it is it fair to say, I guess we'll get into this, but this might actually be the best Studio Ghibli movie or kind of media that has come out recently. This or game, at least in yeah. the past like, decade. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I believe so, at least since uh, Spirited Away, because I think that was the last one that I watched that I really enjoyed. I've yet to see Howl's Moving Castle. But yeah, I mean, you know, Kenny, I, back in the day, I loved this game, but if, despite some of its flaws, and we're going to get into its flaws in the main event. But yeah, um, we, we did it. I think the old guard did a backtrack on this like around 141 ish um oh i believe i I had it written down episode 141 world in my eyes yeah uh what is that was that about 10 years ago give or take oh no it wasn't that long um five five okay yeah they yeah i mean it was what 109 episodes ago so maybe five or six okay 
Well, since, since we have an all new cast, we figured we'd talk about it again. And pe- people really wanted to schedule this one, um, mainly to pitch about it because, yeah, it could be a little bit divisive. But um, we are going to take a very. No, quick I don't think that's musical. true. Not, I think there'll be less bitching than you probably think. So, I, I don't know. Um, I just have one large bitch. Everything yes. else is fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, think think about that bitching, and we're going to take a quick musical er, interlude, and then we'll be back with the main event, so stick around. Welcome back to RPG Backcheck, getting into the main event about Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, released originally for the Nintendo DS on in Japan in December 2010, and then remade for the, the PS3 for in November 2011, and then it came out in the West in January 2013, which I, I bought it and played it the day it came out when it came out in the West. Um, Matt, you said that you had a little experience with the DS version? Uh, yeah, so I want to say it was December 2019, um, a topic I've been following on another website for... <laughs> multiple years i want to say and this goes back to uh listening to michael baker talk praise about it um back on episode 141 of the uh backtrack i heard that three or four summers ago and was like wow man like if that ever that version ever came out he just he spends so much time on that episode talking about it that i can't do justice today on this episode that if you really want to know a lot about it listen to that but he had given it a 5.0 he said it was one of the best games ever and looking it up, I was like, oh, my gosh, this looks like Dragon Quest Nine. And, uh, of course, it was made by Level 5 and right around the same era that they had made Dragon Quest Nine. And, yeah, in 2019, fan translation came out. Um, they properly translated parts of the, uh, was it the Wizard's Guide? that? Uh, uh, the, yeah, the Wizard's the, Compendium, I think. The Wizard's Compendium, okay. So they had gone back in and retranslated some of the stuff in the Wizards Compendium because the reason that we never got the DS version of it is um, this was in DS piracy heyday. So the Wizards Compendium was like this huge novel length book that came with the game in Japan and the copyright protection was built in like you'd have to solve problems by reading the book. Um, You had to draw the spells on the lower screen and the way you draw the spells is by looking in the book for some of them um and it it was just like wow these are some really cool ideas so um the people who did the fan translation did an awesome job Uh, i played it on my phone which is probably the only reason why i never finished it um i don't don't know if anybody here is big time yay let's play ds games on my phone but you know (laughs) I tried it a long time ago, I think with the saga, either the saga translations or um, I think Seventh Dragon. No, it was Soma Bringer, one of those mm-hmm. famous ones that never came out in the West. And Yeah, I, I yeah. straight up refuse mobile gaming. 
I do not like. Yeah, it. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. So the fact that I actually stuck with this game for about 17 hours over a couple weeks, um, I, to me, I was like, wow, I must really be liking this if I keep loading up on my phone. But then, you know, 2020 started, something new came out. Um, maybe it was right around the time where I got the uh, Rune Factory Four code to start playing that for review and some other stuff you know new shiny stuff came and i was like oh god i don't have to play on my phone anymore yay and yeah. um i just put it aside but no it, it felt it almost felt like a dragon quest nine style game um slash pokemon because you're walking around you're collecting familiars you're doing turn-based battles um they're lined up like a dragon quest game you got your guys lined up and then you got the other guys lined up right in front of you and you're taking turns battling um, and your human characters get some attacks too. Uh, I want to say I got through the volcano. I got I, I got to the casino. I got to the graveyard area. Um, but things are in different orders in the game. There's some areas that are there and aren't there. Um, so you know when I played the White Witch uh, a couple of years ago when it came out on Switch, I was like, oh, this is all the stuff that Michael had been talking about. Like this was here, that wasn't there, and this was there, and that wasn't. Um, but it was really cool. I, I had fun drawing the symbols on my phone to cast the spells um, or to learn the spells, at least for the first time I had to draw the symbol, get it pretty correct um, before it would save onto the game that, oh, now you can cast a spell. And it was just, it, it was a fun time. I, to me, like I said, it felt like a mix of a Dragon Quest with Pokemon elements and, of course, being made by level five I really love level five, and that was excellent. And then it, we'll is it talk. the same, like as far as story? It, and sorry, stuff? I thought you were done. Oh yeah, um, story wise, it, it's, it's funny the that same that thing. was the, the, the without drawing the white witch. The, yeah, um, the drawing of the spells was uh, copy copy protection was one because you can download a PDF of that compendium pretty easily, mm -hmm. um, even when the white witch came out because I, I did that. And well, and two, the, uh, it it sounded like Namco didn't want to localize that book, but then they did it anyway. But only for the collectors, yep. yeah. Edition of White Witch, which I think sold out immediately when it went up on Bamco's site. And then the the other thing I find funny about that DS version is that so many early DS RPGs tried that draw the spell mechanic, and none of them worked. I, I think it was Tao's Adventure, which was a spiritual successor to Azure Dreams, and then Lost Magic both tried that, and it just failed completely. I, I don't know if either of you, if any of you guys have played those games, because um, I, I got my DS nah. pretty early, and I was so starved for RPGs that I would just buy anything that even looked like an RPG, regardless of quality. Um, yeah, that sounds so, like yeah. something that sounds like something like motion controls that it was a novelty for a minute. And then all of a sudden everybody went, do we really want this in our games, though? Is that something that we actually want to be doing? And so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad things like that don't don't really exist too much anymore. Yeah. And what when you drew the spells, did it just unlock it permanently or did you have to draw the spell every time? I think it unlocked it. It was like, oh, OK, now that you've drawn it once. It's a, okay. you can, well, that's you the can way just to pick go. it off the I mean, menu. I like the idea of having to draw the spell, but I think that's that's smart. Do it once. Yeah, you didn't then, want to do it every time. Yeah, 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 no. Yeah. Like, oh, time to heal. And well, I mean, you know, Kuni, you, you use spells a lot during exploration yeah. when you're not like pressed for time, which I think probably makes a difference. Mm. Drawing them in combat is probably a whole different story. 
and the and the the other thing that I found amusing was, of course, I downloaded that PDF of this Woodard's Compendium because you know I thought that it was neat, and I, I was just reading through the spells and I'm like, oh, there's a spell where you can turn into a cat, and there's this other spell where you turn invisible, and none of that stuff ever showed up in the PS3 version. <laughs> yeah, there were some that just never happened. Yeah, I, you know, it, it I neat. It, I took that is. PDF thing a step farther and printed it out. Oh, um, oh, I was uh, yeah somewhere oh. somewhere that I didn't have to pay for it. So, you know, I would do that, too. But then I would always look at it. I would I would look at the pile of papers in a very condescending way and blame it for not being a nice book the way some people got. Mm-hmm. Mm. I read through a lot of it. I read through like the stories or st- mm-hmm. like 12 fairy tales in the back. And it was pretty cool. I mean, it's all things considered. It sounded like a neat idea, and sometimes I miss that bit about neato. gaming. Like it was a neato get, idea. Um, c- kind of like you would get in a in an old Kelly's school not PC. Going for game. It. No, I'm no, I'm sorry. I I was trying to compare the book to getting cool stuff in a PC game back in the '80s, which I miss. Yeah, a feely. Yeah, feely. Um, but but yeah. So we only got the PS3 version and. Uh, they changed a lot for the PS3 version, some for the better and some for the worse, because it sounds like that battle system kind of got mm. upgraded and then downgraded at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. <laughs> so, we don't have to yeah. start there, though. <laughs> um, well, let's start with the story first. So the, the game starts out with you playing as a boy named Oliver, who is living with his mother, and the mother and son are really close, so you know what's going to happen within, what, 10 minutes of the game that that mother is oh, got three days to retirement <laughs> <laughs> is it her last wow. day on the force yeah 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 right? so, so yeah um she, she dies within 10 minutes saving you from a river and of course it, it it i guess it burst her heart because she had a weak heart and then there's a pretty heart-wrenching scene with the uh, with Oliver crying over his stuffed doll named Drippy, and then Drippy comes to life and turns out he's a fairy, and tells tells you the kid Oliver that um, you get, that there's another world and there's a another version of your mother in the other world, and that's when you go to try to find her. I guess they're called soulmates. That I believe you sounds correct. right. Yeah, that sounds yeah. correct. I think yeah. it is. And then, uh, and then it, that's what the story is. Is it too early to interject anything yet? No, go ahead. You, so, you, I mean, like you swept up that whole opening, right? And like, I, I mean, it's it's factual what you're saying. Um, but like to me, I don't think uh, that it's um, like the 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 premise of the mom dying. Like, it's not. Um, it's not. It doesn't feel tropey to me. Maybe like the idea kind of is because like you said, like you, you you can kind of see the writing on the wall, but mm-hmm. the way it's executed, I think actually hits home in a, in like in a lasting way when so it, it might also be the buildup. I mean, like so the buildup is and, and I know we'll talk about the art style later, but I, it's hard to separate like the like the beautiful cartoon world that this all takes in takes place in from like the feels you get from the story but mm-hmm. like you know i guess you know i'm sure we'll address that later but oh, um don't get me wrong the the opener gave me some feels even though yeah. i saw it coming from a mile away it it still gut punched me um yeah. granted <laughs> I think, yeah, this game came out before my dad passed away, so it wasn't quite the gut punch it could have been. If it would have come out in... 
say, January 2014, I probably would have put the game away and not touched it um, after that. But it, this, the, the death of the mother is still pretty heart-wrenching. Uh, yeah, and because, yeah, and it because it's not... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's it's more. It, there's a little bit more to it than the death of the mother. It's it's the guilt associated with it because it's um it's Oliver and um so I can't remember his friend's name now. It's 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 his best friend who lives in the neighborhood and his friend has put together um what to call it like I guess I guess we'll like, call a it like a go kart right yeah 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 right, like a kart racer kind of yep a kart race um, yep. and they're uh, they 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 sneak out at um at night I want to say night but now if, yeah. okay it doesn't really matter when so they sneak out deliberately behind his mom's back to go try it out and um due to like other so there's some involvement from like the the game's villain um oliver and the the racer wind up in the river and he can't swim so when his mom pulls him out and then subsequently has her her i guess her heart attack and and dies shortly after like it's it's that like that intense guilt that he has when it um so this is i mean so the game so it looks like a kid's game, right? Uh, like aim, not or, or or aimed at like the young crowd, and it it immediately deals with this um, <laughs> like depressing situation where the uh, where Oliver shuts himself in his room. That's I think they say in the game for three days, and he sits there and he cries and he refuses food and oh, like wow, it's just it just gets dark mm-hmm. at the no, same it, time. Uh, it, right, the guilt and now, the, but, mm. yeah, no, that guilt of that opening is palpable. Yeah, because he knows it's well, it, he doesn't he doesn't know that somebody basically uh, like veered his the the racer into the river. Um, mm-hmm. that you know that's kind of hidden from him at the at the time, but to him it's his fault. And then they revisit that way, 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 way later in the story uh, with the friend who's who's also been suffering from the guilt of like you know, this was my plan and your mom is dead because of me. And and so these two boys, what are they? Are they, you know, they're like tw- 11 or 12 years old, right? And they're dealing with this without the involvement of any like adults or anything like that. They're just dealing with it themselves. And that's like, so that's so, I don't know, to me, it's very non-tropey. I, like, I love it. Yeah, and I think the one thing, too, is we have an expectation of what a Studio Ghibli type of story is. And this just, it hit all of those right right kind of buttons and themes right away. You know, a character that's kind of getting on some hard times and, you know, they need a mended broken heart. And then it, it takes you immediately into this, like, fantasy world. And now he has to help do that. Like, it's, it was just a, a perfect, they needed to nail some Studio Ghibli aspects to it because there is an expectation coming in. And I thought the beginning of the game was the best part. I mean, they nailed everything in terms of setup of this story yeah yeah i would even extend that to like the first i don't know six or seven hours are just so near perfect like you know the including the first several dungeons like just just um it's it's kind of like magical to play in a way like you're really experiencing the magic that they're trying to like establish in this fantasy world i think um i just looked it up oliver's 13 yeah which is weird i honestly thought he was a lot younger i thought he was yes, much younger, younger than that i thought he was younger he looks than like that. he's like eight yeah yeah i thought yeah. he was about eight or ten yeah yep and his best friend is philip but they never say okay. Philip's age. Probably about the same age. Yeah, I mean, well, you know what? I, I find this a problem in a lot of media anyway. That, and maybe it's because I'm an elementary school teacher. They never nail kids' ages in media, right? And like what their interests mm-hmm. are. You know, there's not a lot of thir- I, I know no 13 year olds that would go around with a cape and a little 
sword on their hip and you know yeah. cry over their little drippy, drippy guy doll. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, you do get game, in, what? You, wait, you guys didn't like, do that when you were thirteen? <laughs> None of you did that. There's a, no, there's I a mean, scene. Just checking. There's a scene in I mean, the late game. This is like where, a where, 1950s aesthetic, right? Like Motortown, Motorville, yeah, or wherever it is. It feels it, it like it's kind of had that vibe. 50s, yeah, like 60s, it, yeah. Mm, uh, the rest ahead, of the party go. gives him later in the game. There's a scene where the rest of the party gives him shit about having a drippy doll, and and um and he doesn't want to admit to it. Uh, it's um <laughs> it's when they run into Phil's uh, soulmate in in the um. I, no, I can't recall what the what the the parallel world is called right now. It's kind of. I think it's just the other world. And, and I, it does have a name. I'm I'm sure it does. Well, anyway, when they when they meet um his best friend Phil's soulmate, he kind of gives away. Uh, oh, but you know you um you still what is it like you still sleep with your with your dolls and stuff like that. And his party members kind of uh, the other kids like his age. Well, Swain is a little bit older, I guess. They look at him like, wait, is this true? You sleep with dolls and he's standing there denying it. No, it's not true. And then, and then I can't remember. Somebody exposes his lie and he has to admit that he sleeps with a drippy doll. So, yeah, typical 13-year-old <laughs> hey, boy, defense, right? In his defense, I did have a blankie till I was about like 16. So in, in his defense, I did have a blankie. I mean, I'm a grown-ass woman and I still sleep with a cat <laughs> stuffed animal. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I swear it's for ergonomics. At least it's not my chop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, I unfortunately I feel like the game never really nails that story, that that kind of heart wrenching story beat again af- after that happens. It's like the movie Up, you know, make, make where you it just cry kind at of the beginning. You, you cry in the first six life. minutes, and I mean the rest of it is good, but like man, you get blown away right at the beginning. Yeah, but I'm not sure if it's meant to because the the idea of them going to the magical world is um, Drippy gives them hope that your mom has yeah. a soulmate. We're gonna go. Uh, who's who is the great? By the way, uh, the great sage Alicia. Um, she's in trouble. I need you to come save her. Oh, and by the way, by doing this. I think we're going to be able to save your mom. So at, at that point, like it's not, yeah, it's it's you're not right, as, you're right. as as terrible of he, like he finds himself with like a hopeful light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, I think I think it's not um it's not meant to be like heart wrenching any longer because he's like oh we're gonna save my mom we're gonna save my mom and then by game's end he's matured and he's you know dealing with with his loss right like it's not you're right it's not as sad anymore but I think that's good because it doesn't um well you don't need that gut punch twice yeah and it, well, it, it, and it, it wouldn't it, would, it, would, it wouldn't land as well the second time. It would undercut yeah, and, like and, the and other Ghibli stuff. movies. Ghibli movies never give you the explicit ending. Like it never tells you in detail what the ending was like. It usually just ends when the character finally has that moment, like that epiphany of you know the coming of age type of thing. And I think that was happening at the end of Nina Kuni. And of course, we're going to get to the end, so maybe we're going ahead. But I feel like that was happening, and then all of a sudden, it just went on to more detail. It's like, ah, okay, now we're getting off track a little bit. Yeah. And see, just, that's probably the difference between the DS version and then the White Witch. I, yeah, yeah I think I know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> we'll get to that eventually, yeah. right? <laughs> if if I recall, don't they reveal that um, your mother was Alicia the whole time and that she came to the the real world to escape? Yeah, the, um, near the Shadar. very end, Shadar, yeah. When you fight what should have been the boss of the game, that is revealed, yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, the the bit with Shadar is, was the end of the DS game, and then they tacked on the bit with the White Witch. And I, I remember fi- finishing here, feeling like the game was going to end. And then all of a sudden, you know, K- King Tom the cat kind of goes yeah. berserk. And I'm like, wait, what is going on? 
And then, yeah, they, they they whip out that white witch plot line, and it's like, th- this is awful. I liked it when it ended there. And then learned that, yeah, th- no, it should have ended there, that all the white witch stuff was t- tacked on for the PS3 version, and it just wasn't very good. You know, if, if they would have tacked it on, maybe if they would have tacked it on as a DLC or something like that, separate right. from the main story, I would have liked it more, because isolated, I actually thought it was fine, but just in the context of it's just furthering along the main story, I, that that's the part I didn't like. If it was a DLC, though, I think separately, I think I would have enjoyed it. Well, you, you know what? Um, I'll, I'll give it a little bit. I'll defend it just a little bit because um so yes the so the bit at the end after you you take down shadar who's been set up as the main boss that does feel tacked on that's i mean even even in the way that the cinematics like wrap it up i mean he (laughs) oliver has a freaking going away party in ding dong dell where they literally wave goodbye and all of his party members are like lamenting like don't forget us come back and visit sometime we'll do this we'll go on adventures and he's and he goes well he's about to step through the portal and then like oh wait no ha huh, just kidding uh it's not over and then when the when the when you finish the whole white witch plot line there is no goodbye party anymore like it just cuts to like i don't know three weeks later or whatever it is uh all of like all of that's already happened so clearly that was meant to be the end but so where i will defend it is that they um, they didn't only tack on the end, but they did weave in elements all throughout. Like, for example, um, the little green-haired girl, P, that that you run into um, in various places, I think usually in Motorville, um, mm-hmm. that only Oliver can see. She She's there since, from the very beginning. Um, the White Witch is shown in in little like um in like little cutaway scenes from the very beginning and she's the one that uh, I, I think i remember this right i think she's the one that causes oliver to veer off the road and end up in the river um the whole her council of 12 like all these other antagonists they're all set up like super early it just i don't even know if i would want it to be dlc it feels like that would be a great setup um for like the sequel you know like that could all be in the game but then let's stop the game like after shadar because he needs to be the antagonist like he's the one that you're sent there to deal with he's then it even is revealed that he does have some connection to like oliver's mom and um and and that kind of stuff so like i I, you know he is the perfect antagonist for that first chapter of the of the story and then they should have fleshed out the white witch stuff in a sequel and made that the actual sequel what i think they they could have done is you know roll roll credits when oliver you know waves the world where where it should have ended and then have the white witch stuff be the epilogue put it put it in like the marvel uh post credit thing you do that is that is that what you're <laughs> well, talking no, about I, a little marvel post credit i was thinking like, more yeah, like or... um more like how the lunar games always have the roll credits but then there's like right. one more chapter um and the, i think the dragon quest games do that too i guess that would i i think that would have worked really well i guess my point was i think there's there's enough um, opportunity to flesh it out into its own, like not just a chapter added on to the end, but like its own storyline with with more, you know, like start new stakes, right? Like give us a little bit more background on the on the characters. Give her and give the White Witch more of a like a reason to be the antagonist because she's yeah she's present throughout, but um. I don't know. Her involvement seems minimal. And then at the end, it's kind of like, oh, she was never really that (laughs) instrumental in Oliver's story in any way, shape or form. He's just like 
he's the the pure hearted one and i have to kill him now i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah and and you're right maybe that could could have been the sequel instead of the sequel we got or maybe yeah. that that bit could have tied more into the sequel at the beginning i mean i feel like i played two nino kuni games and the first one i loved the original proper nino kuni one i with, uh, with battle system and all i do love it the white witch stuff i th- yeah, I think I would have liked more as a sequel. Mm-hmm. And and you didn't play Nino Kuni two, did you? Uh, not yet. Okay, because we we already did a backtrack on Nino Kuni two last year. You can go check check that out for our opinion. But me, I I you feel want me to like go check it out. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel Pascal, like dump off. Right, listen to you. it. Rejoin <laughs> us at the end. Put it on two times speed. You'll catch up. Um, but yeah, I I feel like Nino Kuni one. The battle system sucks, but the story was mostly excellent. And then with Nino Kuni 2, it was the exact opposite, where they fixed the battle system, but then the story just lacked. I'm going to pause right here because I was the Nino Kuni 2 defender on that podcast. Oh, Defended right. it all the way. Even I, the I, story. Even the story. I loved it. I hated the little boy. Like, mm-hmm. I got a kick. I, I, the greatest day playing Nino Kuni 2 was when I realized I didn't have to have him in my party anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like I could just put the, put all the other guys in, and like I was like, oh my god! I just thought this was like any other like JRPG. You can never kick the main protagonist out of your party. Then when I realized I could, I, I the game was I loved it. I loved it so much. But you know, we're not here about that. Yeah. Uh, so so do we want to get into that battle system, or do we want to elaborate, elaborate more on the story? Because it it's been a hot minute since I played it, so I I barely remember a lot of the major story bits, other than when you mm-hmm. get the other party members. Maybe we can gloss a little bit more over the story since we kind of just took, we just started gushing about the opening. We just went right to the ending. We went right to the end. We all knew the ending was going to be what we talked about most, and we just went straight to it. I think So this bad guy, you do a bunch of stuff, you beat him, and then, hey, guess what? All that other stuff we just talked about. Honestly, that's what it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, the the first, the opening hours are the only ones, like, super integral to, like, go into detail about, because the rest of it is... Eh, more or less predictable. It's, right. it's the old. We um, went over the theme and everything. It's just basically mending broken hearts, and I feel like <laughs> we, we kind of went yeah. over that. That Oliver was that's what he was kind of set out to do. And finding various people that need that need help, and then some of them become his party members. They do continue that whole theme of like you constantly have to travel back to the real world, and um, and sometimes you have to help people in the in the in the in the magical world by uh, by fixing what's wrong with them in the real world. Uh, sorry, what's wrong with their soulmates, right? Oh, yeah, so I they, mean, there's both. There's there's lots of side quests where you have to fix what's wrong with them in whatever world they're in, too, because there's the whole system of getting enthusiasm and heart and, gosh, what, there's like heart, five different things. They call them. Yeah, yeah there's like five different things that, you know, you yeah, meet like somebody that's seven. down in the dumps mm-hmm. and like, oh, you know, nothing's going right, nothing's doing this, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And Drippy'd be like, hey, Oliver, Oliver, Oliver. That, that person's lost their uh, enthusiasm or whatever. And then you'd like run into some guy that's like running around the town like, woohoo, you know, wow, I've been doing this and this and this. And you're like, excuse me, can I hold up this little vial and take some of your enthusiasm back and yeah. give it to somebody else? But then, and yeah, I, at the same time, you're also there's I think the more main plot points are you, yeah, you're going between you found somebody and something's wrong and you can't figure out how to fix it. I'm like, well, let's go to the real world and see if, you know, yeah, their soulmate, I mean, if we could fix something there. There's some sophisticated 
Like it's it's kind of deceptively sophisticated um, world building going on. It's not. I'm not going to say it's you know you can you can spend dozens of hours like learning about the world, but like they do go into. There's multiple kingdoms in this world, and you visit each one of them. And at some point, you travel to the past, and they go into. Um, I, 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 it might have been called the War of the Kings or something like that, where you kind of get some background on uh, a time when the when the kingdoms were at war with each other and why they fought and and what's the the political situation like now, you know, <laughs> um, it's uh, so there's there's more to it than just like what's what's on the surface, I think. Yeah. And it's so much fun to explore, too. And it has that, that again, like the Studio Ghibli type thing where you go into it and just it's it's throwing so many fun things at you. And I'm thinking more of uh, of when they all had the pig heads on. Uh, I'm forgetting how to say the, the <laughs> brother's name, but it's Swain's brother. Like that world, that that felt such like you know going into something studio. Like there's so many moving parts, yeah. and so many uh, different Marcus things. Is that, his and, name. Yeah, Marcus, and nothing's being like explained to you. It's just all happening, and I love when that happens. It's not being explained. Oh, this is why you know this this town or this world is this way. It's just all happening, and it's so much fun to see. I thought the game was great to explore. Like I, I loved it. And and yeah. I you know this was when. RPGs really started kind of ma making it so that you had no reason to talk to townsfolk. And any RPG in that era that gave you a reason to talk to townsfolk, I appreciated because of, you know, trying to find the side quests and trying to gather information and definitely trying to, you know, figure out where the extra bits of emotion were that you needed to borrow to finish the side quests. Oh, I mean, if there's something that level five can do, it's uh, put a hundred side quests in a game and have them all nicely arranged for you. Yeah, but I just in, in that, a good way. I, I like that. I just wish that eighty-five of them weren't the exact same thing, <laughs> which is go find the emotion that this or the or the yeah that this person needs, which is usually like eighty percent of the time it's in the exact same town you're already in. It's like just served up for you on a platter. And if you look at your mini map, it even shows you where the person is that has it. Like it's rare that you have to actually go searching elsewhere for it. Yeah, you're right. If you were getting like five or six uh, side quests in a town, there may be like one you couldn't complete till you went to the next town. Yeah. It's, it's, <clears throat> Maybe it's, found it's, somebody with an extra heart or something. Yeah. It has a nice checklist feel to it. Like, oh, I just picked up five side quests, but boom, 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 boom. Like <laughs> they're already done. Like that part's nice, but it gets repetitive uh, after a while. I wish the side quests were more varied. Yeah. On the plus side, though, it does give you a reason to use your um, your wizard's compendium spells during something other than combat, which the game does <laughs> really, really well. Like this is you know to go with John's point about exploration. Oh man, I love how it's almost like an adventure game. Um, how there's uh, puzzles to solve. There's reasons to open the um, well, on the PS3, you still get the, the virtual book, right? To open it and pour through it and read things, even just for fun. But if, but if that's not enough, you have to read and find clues for certain quests or to get certain items. Um, and you need spells for various things, like uh, um, opening locked treasure. I, I, I'm trying to like just come up with like what the different things are you can use the spells. Isn't there one where you could chest. grow the plant to make um, the leaf to go? Yeah, like take a, right, a side quest or... where you have to rejuvenate the plant, right, and and and, mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. Like it's. Um, Yes, I wish there was more of it. Like you get a spell for, I think it's called Broom Broom or something like that, which is supposed to make brooms move. <laughs> um, I don't remember ever using it. And I kept 
every time I like I, I scrolled past it in my in my spell list, I'm thinking like, oh, I, you know, note to self, like pay attention to see if there's just like a broom sitting somewhere in a town and try to use that spell because that might just be like a fun little animation. I never did. Um, I so you were longing for some so Golden fun. Sun gameplay, huh? You ever sure. played the Golden Sun games? Very little. Yeah, the Golden Sun games were like that. Yeah, you were using spells all the time on the overworld. And... I mean, I think that's lovely. I, 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 I wish there was more of it. There is there is a bunch, but I could have, you know, I would have happily spent an extra like 20 hours just based on exploring and feeling kind of like feeling that, well, you know, like a fledgling wizard, right? Not not going into battle, but just using magic to like interact with the world around me. Man, that was great. And um, I don't I so Golden Sun, I have little experience with. So I've not played many games like that, which is why, yeah. probably why I loved it. Um. Find a way to get a hold of Golden Sun and give give it a try. If yeah, you I've got a couple of it. them. Just oh. you know, time time being what it is. Just having yeah. It. So I have a question in the um, PS3 version because I'm I'm reading through my review because I played this a couple years ago on Switch. Um, you got bonuses for like you would build up bonuses for your side quests. Um, you'd get these little merit stamps. And they could be traded in for permanent bonuses, like increased experience, better stat growth. Um, and one of the better ones, increased Moving chance. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And like the best one I thought was the increased chance of familiars recruitment. Because that oh. was one of my two. Though That was one of my two main mm-hmm. about the game was like just. You never knew when a familiar would join. There was nothing you could do, I don't think. It was like a yeah, random I, I, chance, and then mm-hmm. a heart would go over its head, and you had to quickly switch to the girl in your party and yep. have her cast a spell. And heaven she forbid be alive. she's frozen or <laughs> sleeping or, or down. Dead. And I definitely yep. needed the one to get the ship faster. And I think that's a, that's a must. Like if, if somebody hasn't played this game, I don't know why they would and getting spoiled on all of this. But that is the that is the first thing when you get a ship you need to get because you can get in so many bad spots where all of a sudden an enemy comes at you. And they're really quick, by the way, on the when you're exploring the sea and they're so strong early on and you're under leveled and the first. So I, I needed to get that so I can avoid some enemies because I, I died a lot before that. Because they were tough. I, I forgot. Was this game enemies on screen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But they do. Um, they spawn in randomly on the screen, though. Mm-hmm. See, you I, could move was... off screen, on screen. I don't think you could. Like, you could move far enough away and then come back. Yeah. Um, I, I remember like a few there was things. One... It's very tales, isn't it? It's very tales, uh, especially yeah. some of like Symphonia and Vesperia. I can see that. Kind of yeah. It, it's just one of those things that en- enemies on screen is useless if there's no way to avoid them, or if they run so fast that you can't avoid them. Mm. Yeah. At, at, well, at some point they run. I don't from think that was you. the problem here a lot. But no, the water. I do remember those because weren't yeah, they just when shadows? First got the ship. It was really slow. Yes, and they were. And so, so you'd be quick. like going, and the shadow would be like, bam, run yes, right in you. Yes. So yeah, there are two I places. There are two locations where you can power level in the game. Um, one of them is the final dungeon, which thank God for that. That <laughs> saved my ass. <laughs> um, and then there is one location in the overworld prior to that that you can power level. But it is like literally gorge? just with... Um, okay. It's, it's a little a, island. I think it's, it's an in a little yeah. island of the northwest of the map. Yeah. And it's, oh, Toko, like, to, it's Toko's. And yeah, I, northeast kind of. Those poor um, little familiars, I just beat the <laughs> crap out of. Yep, he, but he, they have a low spawn rate, unfortunately. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was a lot of, and that was the part of the game, of course, like JRPG stuff. You, know, you had to grind a lot, and I just mm. basically spammed the game. I would save every time one spawned, and I would go back, reload the game, and just hope another one does, and keep doing that until I had enough. So yeah, yeah. I, I basically had to cheese the game a bit to actually, and that's the and thing, you know, it, that's okay, it was that part of the game, but I had to cheese it to enjoy it. So were they like metal the slimes? Were, yes. Were you, uh, they, yeah. Yep. Toko, Toko. So they normally, the if you fight anything that's like on par with you, um, your your level, your experience meter goes up incrementally. So it takes forever to level up. Um, but these enemies just just taking one down, and they're very they're very low health. They just have such a low spawn rate. Is the problem? Um, yeah, the thing is too, you have to you have to get them early on because if you don't run, if you don't beat them early, they run, they run and oh, every time they did, I got so frustrated. Yeah. But killing okay. one of them will easily grant you a full level or even two at at once, um, and you only have to do that for actually I think a short while. If, like if you just do it, um, like if like let's say like spend thirty minutes or forty minutes or so grinding that that one area, and you're kind of set um, level wise to do okay in the dungeons until you get to the end game dungeon the white yeah there were right two there. parts and i think it might have been the end game there were two parts uh because i remember in the northwest there was tokos and i would I, I needed to do that when you first got the ship but there was another part i think yeah. you're right it was towards the end of the game where there were toko tokos right by uh the, one of the last areas that you mend the the broken heart of that uh that main character and that i i started to to farm them there but yeah it was only two circumstances and it didn't take that long and it makes in, in this case it makes the game a lot more enjoyable because of what I guess we're going to talk about now, the combat system being what it is. You don't want to spend that long in combat. Yeah, because I, I found myself not necessarily needing to grind for experience, but trying to get to some of the familiars that I wanted was a pain in the ass, particularly because of their low recruitment rate. And heaven forbid if you need a rare drop from any any spawn like that. I don't know about anyone else. I gave up really early on trying to capture a lot of familiars. I wanted to. Yeah, no. I gave up way too early because I thought there was no incentive really to do it. Uh, once I had my party, it was hard to build them up anyway. And then two, it was just, it was so time consuming to actually do yeah. it. But, I mean, you can, you can recruit anything you want. You probably will still have to pour a ton of time into leveling it regardless. Um, yeah. I mean, I beat the game with, uh, um, is it Mido, I think is his name. The one you, you the familiar you, you summon at the very, very beginning, your main guy. <laughs> yeah, the might, I think it's called M-I-T-E. It might be might. Yeah. I don't know. I think his his nickname, like every familiar gets their own like personal nickname, and mine I think was Mido, um, but he was like, and he was not very strong um, as far as attack goes for me, but like he had decent defense, and uh, so I, well, do we are we just talking combat system now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can go uh, ahead and move on. So I wish, oh man, I wish that um, this game had the battle system Matt was describing from the. Um, was it the DS version? Yeah. Like a, an actual turn-based battle system would have been so welcome. Or if they would have gone the other way, an action one. And like one way or the other. That that was what I didn't like the way they blended it. That's what killed me. It was chance. It came down to yes. so much chance. Yep. I, I I think I wrote in my review, I didn't as much battle or lose to enemies as much as I lost, battled and lost to the system. Like, I could not get to what I needed to do yeah. fast enough. Yeah, that's what I... The, you can't do an action game that the commands for the actions are all in menus. Yes. Like, Tales, yes. It's, you basically pause the game, go into a menu, but the, you had to time the action button when somebody when, it, when an enemy would attack 
attack you, but to get to it, or like you're moving around for defense. Like I didn't like the fact that you had to go out and guard and try and like scroll through the menu to get to it. I hated that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like that if your familiar died, well then you just died too. Yeah, so your yeah. familiar's health bar is yours. <laughs> yep. And and same for the two party members. So for me the, the the major flaw of it was actually the two party members because they're on they're on full autopilot the entire time. Oh the AI you, sucks. Yeah. You can take them over, but you they I mean you can't assign moves. You, you, you can just control them while you're in control of them, which means in the meantime Oliver is going on AI. Like there is just no way to work out like a tactical, um, like any no, well, any kind of tactics. crazy. They, it's Bandai Namco, and you would have thought because they had Tales of Vesperia that was perfect in customization in those battle systems, and you customize the AI who can use all, all of that. And I, th- this game sorely needed it. It really did miss it. So but see, they stuff- didn't develop this at all, did they? Namco, this, this was completely level five. They just did the publishing. Oh, that's right. It, like, they they just published it. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe they, they should called have them up. They're like, "Hey, got any? Got any?" <laughs> they should have consulted. Yeah. You know, it's it's weird. I make that comparison because it is basically the the mixture of a Tales game and a Pokemon game all in one, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they they take some really weird elements of it that I just I couldn't stand. I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but <laughs> what this game needed was some Final Fantasy twelve style gambits. Yeah. Oh, I the. First of all, I hated the AI, and they blew through MP ridiculously yes, much. That's all they just, do. That's all they did. If you're just walking <laughs> around doing random battles by, like, Battle 3, they were out. And it did refill, didn't it, like, during battle? Uh, only when they level. Oh, wait, yeah, okay. okay, no, you can pick up little um, MP that's drops, right, right. right. But yep, that's very negligible. Not, oh, yeah, it yeah, no, it, it, didn't, it didn't do much. And, you know, one spell in the next battle, they be right back to zero. Well, I, yeah. I think in this, this obviously took years later, but I think Final Fantasy VII Remake did a great job of, because I think what, what Nino Kuni was trying to do was that turn-based action RPG kind of all-in-one, and I thought Final Fantasy VII Remake did a good job of that, although I, I had some gripes about it. it that, that combat system worked really well, and I thought it needed something like that. There just weren't enough action elements mm-hmm. in a game that required you to move around and kind of have, you know, do some action you know, type of RPG stuff. So I, th- I think Final Fantasy VII Remake kind of set the set the guide on how to do that. But obviously, that comes way after Nino Kuni and oh, you're right, I, did it and not in a very nice and well fashion. And you brought up something else. I'm sitting here reading this paragraph over and over again about in my review about the battle system. But yeah, that's right. You're moving, so you're yep. moving to like get out of way of stuff. But at the same time that you're moving, you need to be navigating a menu. So you're like looking at what's going on on the it's screen crazy. and trying the movement, to run away your with position it. And too do we, yeah, yep, exactly. And do there the camera control. Too many things at once. So you can like have a view of what other people are doing, and the enemies are getting ready to cast. So you have to manipulate the camera as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so did yeah. anyone else have a problem with guarding too? And this this. Yep, made me yeah. so mad and throw the controller when you guarded, but you had to do it at the right time because your characters, you know, they, there was only a certain time limit and the time limit wouldn't stop when there was a move being made. So I would have timed it right and, and got my guard yeah. in, but all of a sudden I did it maybe a second or two too early and their guard breaks and they get absolutely crushed. I kind of think it was okay. I mean, um, that that was frustrating only in certain cases. I mean, like for me, usually when I hit a boss, the first time um, facing off against the boss uh, was just to like like what you're saying, like just kind of feel out what the different attacks are the boss can do, and 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 very crucially, like what kind of timing each one has, and what kind of area of effect each one has. So then that way, if you die the second time, and you're more prepared to do the guard at the right time, 
Um, like, I think that part of it was okay. Definitely not perfect. Like, I mean, I would still change it if I could, right? But um, but you also have, so you have a button to tell your party to guard, but that doesn't include you. You have to click separately for your own guy to guard. That's right. <laughs> or vice versa. So if you click defend, it only defends, well, only your familiar defends. And I learned that some, um, some familiars... I don't think have a defend option. Now that could be or either that or it's tucked. Yeah, there's some. In that, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's some that that don't have it because I know one of the familiars you get early on doesn't, and uh, that that caused a lot of problems for me. <laughs> yeah. So there were times where like uh, when Oliver got knocked out and I had to switch over to one of the other characters that were running around the battlefield, and I just you know took control of like whatever familiar they had, and here comes the boss with his move, and I know what the timing is, and I know when to push defend, and now here I am with this familiar that i never use because it's not my guy and i'm looking for where the stupid fucking defend button is and it happens to be a familiar that can't defend so i'm taking the full hit <laughs> it's, and goodbye. it's too much going on it, it's too <laughs> much, and I, it was said before but it's right it's it's way too much going on yeah um so another good idea that the game has um and and why it's like terrible that they didn't capitalize on it is that the familiars have like different um what is it like creature types and um I'm not sure like what the purpose of that was when um, it's not like utilized in any way because um, so same thing with the fact that strengths and weaknesses. Well, that's what I'm saying. Same thing with the the fact that they have elemental strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Why is it? (laughs) Why is it that? um, So like, if if Esther if if Esther had um I don't know an ice familiar um and I've already fought this fire enemy multiple times so like the game should have registered by now that I know what his strengths and weaknesses are right um why is she still sending out like the ice familiar that has like no defense against his fire attacks and just like takes every hit on the nose when she has other familiars like at her disposal why the game does not capitalize on any of that you can but you can only make one of your characters take advantage of knowing what the elemental uh weaknesses are because the other two characters will do whatever the hell they want so yeah um great idea and not not used in a uh, not in the best way no and in the familiar so i'm remembering this and i thought of if this was ever in a pokemon game people would just crush it but when you would level up your familiar they would transform but when you transform them they would go all the way back to level one uh, and i transformed mine right before boss i, I, no. I yeah. really wanted it and i was like oh, i'm just gonna do it and, and beat the crap out of, again poor tokos but just beat the crap out of these things and then do it all over i hated though that it just wiped the slate clean and put you back to level one I, if that ever happened in a pokemon game that would be the worst mechanic ever introduced and yet nino kuni thought hey this is a great idea this is awesome yeah. let's have them work and grind even more so in the end go ahead kelly yeah, uh, did, did be. I mean, at least the familiar designs were kind of cute. I mean, oh, some that. of them are bizarre. <laughs> some of them are very weird. One of my, um, one of the ones I stuck with because he had good um, attack power and I think decent defense. I don't know what type it is, but he looks like a like a Viking, like a barrel chested Viking from the waist up, um, <laughs> with like bushy beard. But his legs are chicken legs. And it's just <laughs> weird. It's it's like off-puttingly bizarre. So I'm not putting enough. With one of the tough things with the familiars too is again, this is all in the backdrop of this is a, you know a game with the visuals of a Studio Ghibli movie, and for them to actually include that many familiars and it all fit into this world and this this type of of, of visual style, I I actually commend them. I thought they nailed 
all of that. I thought it was all great. No familiar. They were all, there, there were some really weird ones, but none of them felt out of place. And I thought that was, I, I, I was so shocked that they were able to do that. Yeah, there were hundreds of them. I don't know what the exact number is. At least, I know you can, um, I know for a fact there's a trophy for recruiting 250 different ones, but I, I think there's more. Um, I'm looking at the list right now, 454. Oh, but, uh, yeah. it, and it's because each one has four different evolutions. Right. Oh, yeah. I didn't even scratch the Pokemon. surface on that. No which, way. Which, which I appreciate that there's always four evolutions no matter what, so that you know you don't deal with the thing with Pokemon where, oh, well, I like the middle evolution the most. Mm-hmm. When they, they look distinct from each other when you when, yeah. when, when they uh, meta- metamorphose. Well, this now, game has to be a completionist nightmare, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Absolute um, nightmare. That's the thing, I, because they don't evolve in a straight line. Once you get to no. tier one and then oh, tier God. two... You That's pick right. which one they go to tier three. So it's not and, the tier one, yeah. two, three, four. It's one, two, three, A, three, B. Yeah. You pick and which that, way they go. And of course, that means you lose your previous evolution. So if you want the full Correct. set, you have to recruit four of every single kind and then uh, level three of them up. Oh, my God. Living familiar decks. And, and, <laughs> and yeah, uh John, I watched. Real familiar I don't, with all those. I don't know if you watched the completionist on YouTube, but to get ready for the podcast, I I watched his video about this game, and yeah, he he found all all of them because that's his shtick. And How many I hours think, did it? Did, did he say? I love the completionist. I watch him all the time. I don't know if I, I've watched a Nino Kuni one yet. How long had? Like, I would say that's got to be hundreds of hours. Oh, hundreds easy. I, right? I want to yeah. say that. I want to say that he said that he put around 200 hours in the game. Oh, bullshit. I mean, not anywhere close to Dying Light 2, but, you know, that's a lot. I mean, don't quote me on that. You'll have to watch the video for sure. That's just my guesstimate. I know that he said that finding all of the familiars is what took him the longest. And it's not just finding them. Remember the drop chance of actually recruiting them. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's complete RNG. He complained about it. Yep. No, oh, that was okay. my other big one. Other than the battle system, and it's kind of wrapped into it. You don't. You, there's nothing you can physically do to make a familiar want to join you, no. other than RNG. And, and then you got to do the thing with the heart. But like, you can't make that heart appear. Nope. And there's, there's no item quests. to throw. No. Yeah. Yeah. There's quests that you have to get certain ones. It's like they well, rely on that. Yeah. <laughs> No, I remember I, I was looking up early, like, where should I go to get one? And there was one, uh, a dino or I think dino, dinosaurus or something like that. And I know it was on the plateau right above Ding Dong Dell. So I might have had to wait till I could fly or something like that or climb up there, advance further in the game. And I was it was like, oh, you know, you get one of these and it'll just carry you through the whole game. I think I spent an hour up there and they were not hard to find. Not never once had a chance of catching one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, screw it. Like this game's only 20 hours long. I it's not supposed to be like super hard to beat. Like I, I just wasted an hour. I wasted 5% of my time on yeah, one. And for, for a game that's based off of a catching mechanic, like a Pokemon style game to, to completely fail on that aspect just takes away everything. So I use maybe five or six different familiars throughout the game and so this entire game this entire gameplay mechanic that they had just completely just i i avoided it at all costs oh you're right yeah i i wasn't in any way trying to complete anything i was like hey i have some that work cool right i found the ones i liked and worked and i stuck with it i tried to find the cats and one of them was kind of a pain in the ass to find but i did it (laughs) So the way I finally finished the game, 
um, the way I was able to get past the boss is by um, by actually taking familiars away from my party members because they kept making stupid choices with them in the boss battle. <laughs> um, so I decided to like pare down their selection and handicap my own party members a little bit. And there were other times, this was even happening on, on earlier game bosses, where I actually found it easier to just let them die off already um, and just try to take the boss on one-on-one -on -one and very, very slowly chip away at their health because at least I could control like my own guy. I could cast healing spells. I could control his his defend timing and so very slowly whittle away the boss. And that, so, you know, ugh, that, that probably isn't how it should be meant to go. So, uh, um, I unfortunately... spam spells. Once they give you those, those great spells towards the end, mm. I spam those. I stopped reviving. Uh, the characters and i just i spammed them <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i it was the only way that i i found it less frustrating was well i'm just going to spam things instead of trying to attack her again time commands that that actually got worse later on in the game because there was so much happening to time and attack was just useless so it just all mm -hmm. went to me all right well i'm just going to cast all of these really high power spells it's not giving me any incentive to do anything else or use any familiar or you're just stuck being the healer I mean, there were long stretches sometimes when I was reduced to healer role if I really I wanted that. my party members to stay alive. Yep. Mm. Been there. So these are these are not the kind of like tactics that should be in the combat system, right? Like how do I how do I handicap my my party members in just the right way? Like that's the wrong kind of tactical thinking. So it's yeah, one of the it's, only it's trying to figure out how to it's trying to figure out how to cheese the game. I, I remember doing that with Final Fantasy 15 at times. Like it, it wasn't, you know, I'm trying to figure out this way to, you know, how this character's moving, you know, when to open up. It's just how can I spam a certain spell or how can I spam something or cheese something, cheese yeah. the battle system to, you know, get that in my advantage. I did that with Pokemon and Shining Pearl. Like Cynthia, I just spammed revives and uh, max potions and basically uh, took that last Pokemon out and, and used all of its moves up and just finally, you know, once it couldn't attack. <laughs> I did start, that too. Yep. But it's, it's that not, but that's, that's not a, a bad design. Like, so exactly. Mm -hmm. That's a yeah. bad design. That isn't, I'm, I'm using the design to win the game. I'm Correct. just trying to cheese it and break it. And that's what and, I do. Yep. You know. And the fact that they had a, what sounds like a more app battle system originally, and this white, witch um, I guess version was already like an overhaul that had extra stuff added to it makes it more um they more saw this is the grievous yeah this it makes it more grievous that that stuff was still in there yeah and i want to i want to yeah. say on the ds there was something that you could do to try okay so in was white witch was there something somebody had a flute um was that a thing because i want to say on the ds you could play a flute and that might prompt the monster to have pop up a heart? I don't think so. Like no, the a, flute there's a horn flying, to call the right? dragon, that, yeah, and, that's and to just there's another there's there's a flute that to get into like the the deadly fog area later in the game, like Shadar's okay, castle. But that's it. And I want to say there was a mechanic in the DS to make recruiting a mm. little bit more. I, I may be completely wrong, but I, the, oh, I there was something with a flute. But so well, you know also the, the merit system, by the way, helped out a lot too because didn't it? Also, you could use one of them to give you the perk of Drippy giving you more health or something like that, or Drippy dropping more things uh, onto the battlefield that you can yeah, use. Yeah, I mean, it, it had a lot of stuff in there that, and I wrote that in my review, I was like, you wanted to do the side quests because the perks were good. The perks helped with the problems, which were, you know, yeah. battle system <laughs> the, the, and right. recruitment. 
it's a shame that that the perks were good to iron out what needed to be fixed <laughs> elsewhere. You know, like that's the only drawback again, right? Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was you know okay. So the side quests are optional, but pff, you don't do them. Good luck. Yeah. I guess it's a good. Maybe in the end, it's a good thing that they're so plentiful and easy to do. Almost, you know, like a, what what was it I said? Like eighty five percent of them are just like served up to you on a on a platter. Most of them are. Yeah, I would say the yeah. first yeah. few of every of every town or whatever area you get to. <clears throat> it, it, uh, for the first two or three of them are always very easy. But you yeah. know what? So like like warts and all, right? Um, since you like compared to Final Fantasy fifteen a moment ago, I will say at least I remember the. The anything about Nino Kuni, including the like sometimes um, aggravating combat system, Final Fantasy fifteen. I remember zero uh, in in any regard combat story. <laughs> like it's just all out the window. And I think I spend about equal time on both games at this point. I I remember fi- um, Final Fantasy fifteen only because I played so much of it. And it, it was kind of one of my favorite games that year. And but but it was also within the most recent five years. I think the fact that you played like literally finished Nino Kuni on Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, Pascal's like I remember everything about this game. Yeah. <laughs> um, For me, it's been a little while, and unfortunately, yeah. I didn't have time to boot it up again between uh, now and the or between when we scheduled it and now. I think for oh. me, I've, sorry, I'm, I, I, I thought you were done. I, I didn't. No, it's it. a, no, it's fine. I, I can't remember what I was going to say anyway. <laughs> I think for me, eventually, the the White Witch like add-on part is going to kind of like kind of haze away into my memory and what I consider like the actual game, which really is the actual game up until Shadar, will just be like what I remember. And I think that portion of it, I was okay with the combat system with a little bit of like power grinding it was pretty doable and then like i said if once you let your characters get killed off then it becomes more of a of an action combat system when it's just you versus the boss it's a little bit more action driven so um yeah and it's all right yeah it doesn't deter you away from finishing the story which the story is the strongest part of this game and i would say the first half of this game especially the early story element parts are the best part of it and if that didn't happen i don't know if i would have been able to you know battle through uh most of the things and most of the gripes i had but it just started off so strong and it was such a great way to start the story that it it was worth and the combat system didn't deter you from being able to finish it yeah i'm trying to see if the re- the most recent remaster um, had any other improvements besides uh, improvements? I don't I think don't... it did. I think it was like pretty much a port. Now it huh. did have um, old DLC was in there, but I think the DLC was just like. And I was going to talk about this um, later when we talk about our favorite familiars, but um, some of the DLC was like golden vil- versions of familiars. Yeah, which, and the Switch uh, version just gave you those, right? You, you just got those. Yep. For you just got yeah, them. And that's cause... where one of the familiars that I used was from. Oh, um, yeah. Cause... I think I used one or two golden ones big time. And they're like, uh, I, I guess you could compare them to a shiny yet EV, IV trained Pokemon because they were better versions of the ones that they replaced. Yeah. And they were just the... pure gold. They looked like them. All back in the back in the day, I know that one of those familiars you could get from like claiming a code that came with the strategy guide, which I I very nearly bought the strategy guide and then read through it and I'm like, oh, I'm near the end of the game, so this is going to be <laughs> worthless to me anyway. <laughs> 
I, I do want to give a big shout out here because these are some of my favorite people. The localization for this game um, goes back to Schlock um, LTD out of the UK. And that's the same company that's done some Dragon Quest. They did Dragon Quest Eleven. They've done Dragon Quests. They've done uh, some of the yokai. And the puns, the puns in this game are just, especially for the familiar name. Um, like, I'm just I'm just looking at, like, the first dozen on the list. You got Hoggoblin, which turns into the Gobfather. Um, and then Gobfather either turns into Gobspeed or Gobforsaken. Like, it... Yeah. Some of these are just, you, you know, stabber, stabber walkie. Yeah. And speaking of localization, I can't believe we went this long without talking about Smiley and Shirley stand up because that was legitimately hilarious. <laughs> and I was actually in tears laughing because like I, I, I know a little bit of like improv stuff because I, I used to do like wrestling podcasts and a lot of the people I would do it with are into improv and like wrestling and improv are very connected. And it's like you're supposed to agree and then move on to something. And they just kept like they, they just kept stopping the bit because he's like, well, you told me that you were a weapon shops keeper and I asked for a weapon. And then you told me to leave. <laughs> he's like, right. it was, was this like yes start and? and stop thing. Yeah, it, the yes and. Yes and they kept and, right? stopping. He kept saying basically no. <laughs> and it was fantastic. I was dying. Left. That does. I don't remember it. Tell us more because it sounds funny. Oh, you got to. It's, it's just I, I even watched it because I remembered it uh, before we, we started doing this. Mm-hmm. So I got to watch it again. So smiling. Shirley, and that was all, you know, localization. They, of course, I, I think doing a different bit than probably what the, the original version did. But that that part was just a laugh out yeah. loud funny. Like I, I legitimately thought it was great. I mean, uh, I, the, I have the a story about the is, comedy bit. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, um, I mean, when we get into the roundtable, that's my memory. Oh, I mean, I, I just think overall, the translation, like everything about it is just absolutely immaculate. Like, it's so good. Just the fact, I mean, um, so Matt, you you know, you enjoyed your, 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 your Welsh accent earlier for <laughs> Drippy. Yeah, yeah, that was a Welsh accent I did, exactly. I, I feel pretty confident that Drippy was not Welsh in the original Japanese version. <laughs> So the fact that he is and the way that his dialogue is stylized in in the written version, and and that's just one character. Like, they're all over the place with this. Yeah, and the the voice acting acting was so good in the the English version. Yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. I just wish there was more of it. I had that, that, and you know what? I know it's a lot of money, and sometimes, like, there you got to cut some corners at some places, and I was like, okay, I I can live with that. But since the story was so good, I wish it was voice acted more because the, I thought the voice acting was tremendous. And P was absolutely adorable. Whoever voiced P was adorable. Um, yeah, what's <laughs> that's right. What's what's her spell? Sanctify, because she can't say it Sanctify, right. Yeah. It's great. Who? Oh, level five Again, always this... hits it out of the park when it comes to localization. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just such such beautiful details that just stick in your memory. Well, with they that keep kind hiring schlock. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I got to say, like the. This was one of the best PS5 games visually, as far as I was concerned. PS5? I mean, I'm sorry, PS3. It is. PS5? It, even even PS5 standards, like it's <laughs> enough. It's good enough to look at it right next to your PS5, probably. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, I'll say I, I played the Switch version. I thought it was perfect on Switch. I thought oh, yeah. it, it, it was. It worked so well. Uh, you know, I I play handheld a lot, and it was great handheld. Because because sometimes going back to that generation. I, I, 
like nowadays it just kind of looks like ps2 slash um, gamecube visuals but that game held up quite a bit and so when they did the hd remasters i can't imagine that they had to do much polishing on the visuals to get them to look good well when you make them look like a cartoon you know what there's only so much that you can go into that like yeah. If you're looking I mean, like a drawn cartoon and you nail it, then, you know, that I mean, it's, it's always going to look like a drawn cartoon. It's one of the reasons that Wind Waker is held up visually so well, I think. Yeah, it has. Mm-hmm. That's cell shading type. But also what yes. helps out, too, is Studio Ghibli is is that timeless kind of visual style and the fact that they adopted some of those elements. Like it it certainly helps it along of being, you know, one of those things where it's more stylized and it has its own style that helps out. Mm-hmm. And then that fully orchestrated soundtrack is just chef's Gorgeous. kiss. Oh, yeah. Except for the great. battle music. Except for the combat theme. No. And, and, and maybe one or two, like, town themes, which really grated on my ears. Yeah, some of them do get a little annoying. But I, for the most part, I liked all of the music in this game. So, oh, some of it is just gorgeous. Any like again, when they're hitting when they're hitting those emotional notes. Yes, like I rewatched <laughs> some of the early cinematics just to kind of refresh my memory. And and even though those themes do return later in the game, just wow, so beautiful. Yeah, and the theme or the the music that uh, pops up when you first you know start up the game that was just epic like great orchestral kind of set it was fantastic uh, i yeah i like the soundtrack to this game a lot I, I, think- I think the only music i really got sick of was some of the world map music but that was more mm-hmm. out of frustration of you're like grinding for familiars and <laughs> item drops um i stop me if i'm stepping on toes because i i think i saw somebody wanted to maybe mention it later but one of my favorites is every time you go back to um, Motorville in the story, um, I don't know how to like, I really try to think about like, what, what, what is this song? Like, what are, what are they trying to like accomplish with it? Like, I think maybe they, um, they made a song to like evoke kind of like that, I don't know, like that homey, um, I don't know how else to describe it other than like, homey, like, like, yeah, like rustic vibe kind of like like small town america you know but for me but for me it also has like that other undertone of oh shit you're going back to the place where like your um where your sadness lives you know like you're going back to the 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 town where like every like where you have no parent anymore where everything reminds you of your dead mother right like in a in a in an emotional way and i loved it every time i went back to motorville that music just made me feel in like a very complicated way i can't even like really describe it yeah well waffle five is good about having uh good music like that but but also getting back to the visuals real quick when i rewatched some of the videos to refresh my memory about this game it's like Huh, I wonder if Level 5 kind of re- reused some of these ideas for when they did Yokai Watch because Motorville reminded me a lot of Yokai Watch. Oh shit, let me go out and buy Yokai Watch then. That sounds like an endorsement to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know when you say, I'm thinking about, about it, too. I was going to say Level 5 does a lot of samey stuff. Like I said, playing the the DS version of this, I completely thought it was like Dragon Quest 9 just with you know different monsters like it it felt like that like i, I got that feeling well you would them. get level five seems in some ways like you could parallel it to studio ghibli is that they they have their own way of doing things and you can tell mm-hmm. right away what a level five game is like if you boot one yeah. up and you know you you will know immediately yes this is a level five style of game and you know it's interesting that you know they use the same service um to do the the same translation people to do level uh, to do 
Dragon Quest Eight was where Level 5 took over for two games, and that's where all the translations changed, and they became a lot of monsters. You know, Slime stayed Slime, but a lot of them got punny names, and they did that with the familiars, and they definitely do that with all the Yokai Watch games. Like, they're on par with all the Nino Kuni ones, big time. So you've got the same company doing all the translation of that, um, or localization of that, and Dragon yeah, you, Quest you 8 get was that also feeling. very British, wasn't it? Oh, they are. Dragon Quest Eight is. Dragon Quest Eleven is, and that's because of who they hire. You know, yeah, that the company's in the UK. So where are they going to get their voice actors from? The UK, you know. So right, right. Eleven. That kind of slipped my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because Eleven's British too. So and yeah, Nine had no voices, so that was that. But yeah, I mean, you y- you can see their eras. Like okay, like we did Dragon Quest Eight. That was the cell shaded. We went back to that for our own Nino Kuni games, and then you know we we downgraded that onto the 3DS. And you're right, um, Kelly. That Motor Town does feel a lot like the Japanese little hometown that you start out in yokai watch mm-hmm. like motorville he, is a place i would move i would live there <laughs> if i could it's pleasantville man it's just like pleasantville in the end when they have color see see and it's funny because the, the one the yokai watch that i played the most was actually three where they moved to the united states <laughs> so that's kind of why motorville reminded me of it yeah i, I could see that because yeah motorville was definitely like a midtown you know, they, they, they were living in Indiana, the middle of Indiana in the 1950s. And I need to finish Yokai Watch 3 at one point. <laughs> at some point, I got stuck uh, trying to do the train stuff and never went back to it. Did you get to the Wild West area? Not yet. Okay. Uh, By the I way, also... I know we're probably going to get all visuals soon. Uh, yeah. tip, of the cap to, <laughs> tip of the cap to Studio Ghibli. I know it was only small clips that we got, but what the stuff they gave was just... Uh, chef's kiss was all beautiful because there are some great studios now like I, I think tales of arise one of my small gripes was i didn't think ufo table did like the best job with some of their animation scenes and it may just because the the graphics just got better themselves in the game but studio ghibli i mean they they did everything those small clips and it was only a few of them but it was it was beautiful all of that stuff was great mm-hmm. and ghibli didn't come back for the sequel did they no, no. i mean they got this they used somebody who had previously the, the worked style. there and they the style came back but you know not exactly like doesn't have the same watermark anymore correct wow. they, yeah, they I, copied I, the homework changed it a little yeah so I, I was gonna wait till later to ask but so for for since i haven't played two yet well will i get a chance to go back into like familiar settings um well two doesn't have any familiars no, no, no. no. He was... <laughs> Not like, th- thank God. Um, oh, I thought you I was mean... making a joke. Oh, you have the Higglebees. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. Um, yay. I, I mean, yeah. more about the world. Uh, it, will it give me more of that world um, to to like roam around in? If I what, remember... does it take place centuries later? Yeah, I feel like the only place that you really go back to from the first game is Ding Dong Dell. Correct. Yeah, that's pretty prominent in like the promotional materials, I think, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? All the cities are very. I, I say they're like this. You go to one city that's like Apple headquarters, and it's just like this amazing tech city that's just starting to be built and everything. And everything about that city is all like just on the verge of starting to use technology. And you have the ocean city that everything's about the ocean. So the mm. settings are, you know, they, they nailed the settings again. Uh, yeah, you're making me think of the casino city where it's the casino the, city. Yeah. 
Everything's based on. Yep. Uh, yep. So I'll be honest though, like when you're telling me that it's just, you know, it's like, it's what's similar, I guess, but like different. Um, it kind of it it makes me feel a little a little bit of loss. Like it would be like telling me, oh, it's the you know the sequel to Lord of the Rings. It's also it's in Middle Earth. No, mm-hmm. it, but it's it, it, you know you you won't you're not you going to recognize Hobbiton anybody. and you you know it'll be. Yeah other places with the same idea i would be i would be a little sad about that and it kind of makes me a little sad to hear that it's it's not the same exact world you know you'll go to elrond's yeah. winter house yeah it's it, a testament to like to my to how how much i enjoyed the world of nino kuni I, I i would love to hear that there was more of it yeah i mean i i like the second game for what it was and not you know, compared to the first one, and I definitely think that the battle system was m- muchly improved, but at the same time, it lost a lot of the charm. That the story lost a lot of the charm that the original had, a- and yeah, the you wouldn't like the main character. I think he would get on your nerves. Yep, I was fine with Oliver, but screw that dude in too. Oh, I so like Oliver's the only one. Oliver's the only one in the first game that has kind of a like. Hit or miss voice actor, I think. Especially I like the early scenes. He's got a, hmm, his accent seems to come and go a little bit. <laughs> what? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I wasn't trying to call anybody out <laughs> purposely. <laughs> That's okay, because because uh, I'm the same way. No, but like, uh, but honestly, I think, it's, so his, but um, I, th- I guess we already said it, though. Like, the voice acting is like, is just outstanding across the board. I, Mm-hmm. Except maybe sometimes Oliver, I feel like. Yeah. And I know we just mentioned Casino Town and Nino Kuni too. I really like the Casino Town in the first one here. Uh, they had a gosh, what was the card game they had there? I loved it. Begin with a P. The one where you make had the pairs. <sighs> the one where you have to pair up cards or something. There was something, and you had to win three out of five. Gosh, yeah, I got. Yeah. I got one. I played it so much. I got one of the familiars. They're a platoon, I believe it's called. Hmm. And man, I just and there was another game that you had to play where you're simultaneously moving two different party members oh, with no, the left yes. stick and the right stick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you had to do that in one of the shrines or the Temple of Trials, too. But there was a there was a game in the casino that had that kind of mechanic, too. And yeah, the card game's called Platoon. Um, it's it's tough because you're not just moving them, but the floor is disappearing as yeah. you're trying to make it, oh <laughs> Jesus, that's difficult. I, I don't know why I found that so much fun, but <laughs> I did like the casino. I, I I think I even earned another golden uh, familiar there because I I played platoon way too much. Blackjack all the way. Uh, you think we're ready to get into the round table? Unless we missed anything else? We'll I think we're ready to wrap this up. Table, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we, when we come back, we'll get into our own, our own personal feelings about the game, our, our favorite stuff. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to RPG 
backtrack um, while we're getting into the roundtable. This is where we kind of get into our own personal feelings about the game and what we were doing when we were playing the game. Because I don't know about you guys, I have a, an associative memory and I always associate memories of the time when I'm playing stuff. And yeah, sorry, I'm distracted because my dog is going apeshit in the background. <laughs> um so um what was your favorite or funniest moment from the game i'll start off um i just loved any time i went back to uh, motortown and in my head i keep calling it pleasantville um the main town that you grew up in i just love seeing like who was linked to there from the other world to there and how they acted um gosh what was the the shy girl in the window that wouldn't go out um, and play. Staring, sta- staring, staring Mary. Mary. Yep. I, that, that I was about was... to call her Moaning Myrtle. I know that's a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay, uh, Harry Potter there. but uh, Is it actually Mary, though? I'm not sure if that's her actual name. I think it was Stary Mary because she was... never left her room. Yes, I think that was, yeah. Stared yeah. out the window all the time. And I was just. I didn't know if Mary was the real thing, but you know, it could be. Right, it could have just been the name, but yeah, I I remember them that name in particular. But yeah, they. uh, I I just I love the town. I I like going back there. I like seeing how you could um, interact with the people that look similar. You know, the souls mates, and uh, every time I went there, it was. I know there was because there was main story beats too. So you know, they they were leading me by the heartstrings by every time I went back there. but no, it was it was cool. It was just all those moments were good. It's just and it's just nice to see like a normal town, even in a in a fantasy RPG. Like we, you know, they they come along so so rarely anyway. Like <laughs> yeah, a small that town is true. Yeah, Americana, yeah. I mean, know? everything else is fantasy, and you got cat people and whatever. But this was just yeah, middle century, like you said, middle century Americana. Starry Mary, that was her name. <laughs> Um, John, what about you? Uh, I mine everything that I enjoyed most about this game, and probably my favorite moment is all in the beginning. And it's that you know the obviously I love Studio Ghibli movies, so this game just hit all the right beats for it. But early on, you know when he when Oliver first brought Trippy back to life, like that just sticks into my head because that's when you know all the heartbreak started to happen, and his mom passed away, and then all of a sudden this Welsh whatever character just comes to life. And it's like this sense of urgency. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're brought to this fantasy world and things just happen so fast. And, you know, that's the the greatest thing about Ghibli movies. It's it never explains anything to you in particular. It just kind of takes you on this journey and you just you just see it and you enjoy it. And the the, the beginning moments of this game are all the best. And I, I love every single part of it. But also Smiling Shirley. That is the funniest moment in the game. We're going funniest. That was absolutely enjoyable and hilarious. But now the beginning moments stick into my head so much. I will always remember that about this game. It's what makes it memorable, I think. Yeah, I I thought the funniest moment was the comedy bit, too. So good. So good. And also the flashback with Oliver's mom giving Drippy the doll, like, legit made me cry my eyes out because I... Yeah. I'm like a sentimental person and I, I still have stuffed animals from my childhood. And just the, that bit was just like, oh, my God, the feels I'm crying. No, you're crying. Yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it my turn? Yeah. Should I go? It says something when like I have I, when I experience like a palpable sense of dread to go into 
the mother's bedroom like it's it's that feeling of of like it, it, when you experience loss in real life like you want you want reminders of whatever it is you're missing but also at the same time you like you it can be dreadful to like look at the reminder right and i i i, I didn't even want to go into like her bedroom like I, I don't know if you really have to for the story there is an um there is a uh, what is it called the magical tale of wonder one of those fairy tales you can unlock uh, by by going in there and finding it at some point but it's mm-hmm. just it's just it seems so weird to me that like um, a room of a house of, of, in a video game has like that effect but yeah absolutely and I I said it earlier but I agree the the opening hours like there's only two two games I can think of that just have like the perfect opening hours of the off the top of my head, like to the point where like they're they're this level of memorable and it's this and um the original Final Fantasy seven. And they're just like each one of those would just be worth replaying the first, you know, I, I would extend it to like the first maybe like six hours or so. Like, yeah. I would agree. If if I just were to go back and play, I would just love to revisit the first like five to seven hours of this game. Yeah. I would love to go back and, and revisit all that. So well done. And there's and they're they're more I think they're more heavily loaded with like the um, the cartoon, like the animated um, cinematic pieces from Studio Ghibli it more towards the beginning. I mean, they're they're all throughout, but the beginning is when they have to do a lot more legwork to kind of set up the world for you and stuff. So they give you more of that narrative. Um, and, and so it's also more like uh, uh, even more pleasant to just rewatch it because it's, you know, it's 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 gorgeous on top of it. Yeah. And it, and it was so important to establish that, you know, this is a because, again, the expectation coming into this game, obviously, is you see level five and then Studio Ghibli. And obviously, Studio Ghibli has this big reputation for a certain, like, you know, coming of age stories and for for them to kind of nail it off the jump. And to make you feel all of that nostalgia, see all of that great artwork, but also a great story being set up. Like it, it, they needed to really nail that, I think, to draw people in. And they, I, again, I think it was almost perfect as what you yeah. said. I, I think it was about as near as perfect as you can get of a start of a video game. Yeah. And and I think as as well as they did the like the emotional stuff um, in in like the first hour, it's equally once they leave that behind, like once once hope comes back up. Right. It's equally gripping uh in in a more of like wow this is like what what it like what an astonishing world to to like kind of be introduced to you know you get that it's more of a sense of awe and wonder from that point for the for the next several hours but equally as 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 gripping i think i don't i i, I don't really remember like too many um super funny moments uh, i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch the the stand-up comedy bit there was one um that matt reminded me of that happens early on when he was or I'm not even sure if it was Matt, but somebody brought up um, the when you first go to um, Ding Dong Dell and how like the pieces of heart and stuff like that, um, like the gate guard needs something. So when you first go there, the, the very, very beginning of the game, um, the gate is closed and it's because the guard is missing his whatever it is, enthusiasm or something. Um, and you that's when you're introduced to the whole mechanic of 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 give, providing pieces of heart to the citizens that need it. But what's funny is he's standing in front of the gate. There's like a crowd of people that he's not letting into town because the gate is down, right? Like the um, it, it's lowered and you can't get through. And right next to him, like five feet away, is the second pair of the gate guards. And that's where you get your enthusiasm from. So he's he's so full of energy. He's got his spear and he's like twirling it around his head and he's doing like high level calisthenics. And this is like, two feet away from the other guard who's standing there and like literally just <laughs> moaning because he has no drive and this crowd of people who can't get in the gate and he's standing there leaving 
he's not doing anything about the gate being down. He's just standing there. And, like, I think you can even, like, the voice acting even adds, like, some, like, like who? <gasps> he's, like, <laughs> he's doing his routine. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's just a funny moment. It's a weird, like, um, a weird comparison between the two just standing there. Yeah, that's my funny moment. I, I do remember that. That's uh, that's good stuff. And you're right. Like, that. that's the very first one. Trippy's like, oh, yeah, by the way, it seems like, let, let me teach you about this. Okay. Um, what, what about our favorite characters? Um, I... I'll, I'll go. You know what? I'll go ahead and um. I'll bring up uh Shadar, but also in 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 like a way of I I wish he was more of my favorite character. I think he could be um if he had gotten a little bit more. If if the spotlight had just been on him as the villain, I think there could have been a lot more to it. And also, it gives me a chance to to mention. I think he's my favorite voice actor in the game. His voice is such like a great so, voice actor. Yeah, yeah, what a what a distinct voice that Shadar had. And that is dark that is and menacing. Yeah, it was really well done. But not like comedic or or cartoonishly villain voice, right? It's like very. It's just a. It's a normal but menacing voice. It's kind of like the way you might might um uh imagine like sephiroth to have you know something like down to earth but like whoa watch out this guy so um i i wish there was more focus on the character because i think he would probably be like the standout for me i i I like good villains and so i um i I probably could have easily picked him definitely more than like oliver (laughs) speaking of (laughs) on that note let's go to john (laughs) i'm a sucker for for main characters and absolute sucker <laughs> but i again like this 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 expectation of a studio ghibli type movie like some of my favorite characters are chihiro and spirited away shizuku whisper of the heart like i i love these movies and these characters and oliver fits in so well like just fits the bill of that kind of coming of age character and i thought they did it's more of they they did a great job of building that character but i i just i love the character itself and and him you know maturing and um mending other people's broken hearts to mend his own i, I just it was so so good and it made oliver uh, a character that i i put on the like i i think again i re- reminds me of a lot of these great you know characters from these movies and i think oliver fits right in with all of them so i i love oliver i i thought it was such a great character yeah you know what what they did manage they they didn't make him into the whiny brat right like he's kind of fish out of water early on and that's which and with everything that happens very understandable right um but they they avoid that cliche though or in the long run i think that's that's really good and going along that route um, my favorite character was drippy because i just have a soft spot for cockney characters and yeah, he was very very cute um i i it probably wasn't him but i wouldn't be surprised if it was the same voice actor as y- yangus from final fantasy 8 who's my other favorite character from a level 5 game uh did he say core blimey ever no, I don't think, or maybe he does. It's you know, I, I, I actually saw something today when I Googled him that said something about Core Blimey when we were getting ready to do the voices. And I'm like, what? I, I don't think, think it's think the same. Who you meant. You meant, uh, I think you said Final Fantasy, but uh, Dragon Quest is what you were talking Dragon about. Dragon Quest, eight, yeah. yeah, voice actor. Oh. Um, I'll know it when um, I see it. But I agree, well, Trippy, have... Drippy made the game in a lot of ways. Like that yeah. oh, is such a standout character that it if you don't find anything else memorable about this game, Drippy is yeah. always going to come into your head. Drippy you will never forget Drippy and and that character. His appearance, his personality, like even his yeah, cadence everything. of of speaking yes. is is so interesting. Um Kelly, have you ever played uh Neo Replicant? 
or 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 even just near period. I played the remake last year of the first game. Yeah, well, um, I uh, you you probably um enjoy ah oh, damn what what is the stupid book's name? Oh, Grimoire, Grimoire Vice. Vice. Of course. Um, yeah. Because he's voiced by Liam O'Brien, who's one of my favorite voice actors. And that goes right in line with some of the things you just said, I think. Oh, the Cockney? Sure. <laughs> which is which is really funny because, uh, you know, I watch Critical Role and Liam's on that. And, like, he does – his normal voice is just kind of nerdy. But I, <laughs> I appreciate it. I always see him. And it's like you get these bombastic performances from him. But, yeah, in, in person he's just so – quiet and kind of shy at least that's how he comes up on the show i don't know i mean he, he could very well be like that in person but yeah and my runner-up favorite character is the cat king because you know cat I, i'm a sucker for a big chunky cat and if we go get king tom and uh me since i couldn't pick president roland again since he wasn't in this game um I, I kind of liked Esther. She didn't seem as tropey. Um, what's the goofy older guy you get later? Swain. Swain. Yeah, I mean he's Swain's just, he, awkward. Swain's, yeah, that's the thing. He, but isn't there? It works there's well, some awkward person awkward. in most JRPGs, and I, he just seemed like okay. So he's the awkward party member. Uh, that was his but, uh, default. Where they tried a little too hard for me is um, they they actively like shoehorn in um, this kind of i don't know friendly rivalry between esther and swain the fact like the way that she'll call him out like on on saying creepy stuff or when he tells her to right i forget what he says to her stop talking or stop being annoying or and eh, neither one of them really is that creepy or annoying so i think it was trying hard to create a relationship that wasn't there I think what bothers me about Swain is that he looks like he's way too old to be hanging out with a bunch of kids. <laughs> and, you know, normally I like that because I'm I'm one of the oddballs that I, I love JRPGs to death, but like, I, I don't want to play a teenager. I really don't mm. like, oh gosh. Um, well, he's, I think he's kind one of, of Oron, the... if, if Oron was like, <laughs> like a homeless bum kind of, right? <laughs> Homeless bum is a good description. Like just the way he looks and his five o'clock shadow and the I mean, disheveled he's supposed hair. To be the... the dashing thief, right? Like, this, isn't that kind of how he's introduced as like the thief yeah. character? But where is dashing? Like, it, there's just like he, he gave up on life like two years ago. It looks like. So he kind of he kind of reminds me, and because I love Tales of Vesperia, uh, I I always and I love Tales, so I'm always going to compare. But it reminds me of Raven. Uh, a lot. Yeah. And, uh, I and see his that. banter with, um, I'm forgetting her name. I, I can't believe I'm forgetting the mage's name uh, in the story. But uh, it reminds me Esther? of. Uh, they're, they're, no, the one in um, um, the one in uh, Rita, Rita in Tales of Vesperia. Like they kind of have that oh. back and forth and like she calls him a creep and all that. And I felt like they were trying to do that with Esther and Swain and just didn't, it didn't work out in the same way. Yeah. It doesn't really work when the teenage girl is 13 years old. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it comes off as exactly small it, yeah. and creepy and just uh no, no I feel I feel like Swain's soulmate in the real world is like a, a gamer dude that drives a van or something. <laughs> Even though granted the real world is supposed to take place in the fifties, but that's that's the kind yeah, of vibe I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know he. Did they ever show who Swain's soulmate was? Because that that may have been it. I don't know I don't if they ever showed so. Swain Soulmate. He's the only one that doesn't get one. If not, we just found it. Yeah. 
he had not been born yet. He was uh, not in Yeah, that. Swain's soulmate is waiting for pizza delivery to be invented, so he has a job to do. <laughs> That's not a slam. I've I've been a pizza delivery guy before. Hey, look, the pizza delivery people, they do a service that uh, should be commended because how else would I get my pizza? I know I'm not going to yes. run. Nope, I, I concur. Same with the uh, Uber Eats people. You guys Honestly, are the pizza delivery guy is probably the most, like, the, the person I talk to the most throughout the week. <laughs> yeah. oh, Jesus, I feel bad now. It's sad. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna move ahead one because it kind of ties. Go ahead. Who were, you, who were your favorite familiars? Any of the golden ones that I got for free, or the one golden one I earned in the casino? <laughs> um, I like the Anolinx, which is kind of an angel cat that I spent way too long in the game trying to recruit, but it was a good healer. Um, yeah, she's all over the final dungeon. Is that is that where you recruited her? I can't remember if it was that or if it was one of the earlier ones. Oh, I just they, know they that I spent a, lo- a long time in one area with rail- railroad tracks trying to get him. Like I said, it's been a while. <laughs> I know mine was a DLC character. So I know that's that's where kind of things get a little different. But Griffey was part of the like familiar tickets, uh, I think. And oh, I, I, I used Griffey. Griffey a lot. Yeah, Griffey was it's such a it was a tanky, like heavy attack character. And mm-hmm. I loved Griffey. But the other one, I use the the main one, uh, Mighty, or however you say it a lot, because it reminded oh, yeah. me, I don't know if anyone's watched Yu Yu Hakusho, it reminded me of Pooh when he first came up. It's like, is that really a part of, uh, like, obviously, like, is that really a part of me? Like, is that that weird looking thing with a small sword and a cape? Like, is that actually me? And, and so, yeah, tells it, him it reminded to, like, me of Pooh a lot. And then he tells him to, like, like he beckons him forward and Oliver leans down. Right, and he back. turns his sword sideways and bonks him on the head with it for being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very um it's very personable like you kind of like him <laughs> oh absolutely but yeah those those two i i spent the most time probably with i i don't have like favorite familiars because most of mine kind of sucked i think i've got i've already mentioned that <laughs> i just i just went with like whoever for the most part like an early lineup because they were the ones that kept getting experience points and i wasn't about to pour more time into leveling up others like occasionally a new one joined the lineup but yeah no um i didn't look up a guide or anything so my team was all over the place and i i guess the one i liked the most was i ended up with one of the little robot dudes um the little clankety clanks or whatever i i I don't really know what they're called in the game at the moment um are they the cogs the the cogs are the ones that float right is that what you're thinking so not one of them now this is this i was was looking at their punny names earlier but um i i I don't think so because i remember some that have like actual like spinning cogs which are like more floaty types now this is like just like a, a like a bipedal robot but he's real small and if you evolve him um he he has little uh spinning like drill horns on the i think on the sides of his oh, okay. head or something he had pretty good attacks so i enjoyed him but yeah i'm sorry i got no good familiar stories oh it's cool you weren't very um, familiar I, with any of them i i just i noticed that, <laughs> that somebody was... had to say it somebody <laughs> had to do that i i just i noticed that that one was in the sheet and i don't remember adding that question so i figured it was one of you that put it in it was me i put it okay in. That's what I thought. And then, of course, I was like, uh, which one was my favorite? <laughs> <laughs> I threw the question in and immediately did not have an answer. That's crazy. It's one of the most important parts of the game, and it's just so forgettable and avoidable. I, yeah. I mean, they're, they're cute and all, but they, they're kind of generic. 
at the same time, so they don't really stand out. I mean, um, maybe maybe less than 400 would have been good, like less variety and then better ways to use them so that you can right, Especially if you're going to make the capturing mechanic so hard. Why yeah. give and I was going to say, at the same time, how many could each character have? Three or four? Yeah, three. Uh, three, yeah. So you've got a party of nine going on, plus three main characters. That That's a lot of... It, you yeah. know, it, it's hard to care about 12 people at once. We haven't even mentioned that there's a fourth um, party member with his own um, familiars that joins up. I think it's just at the um, at the White Witch like end chapter, though. Um, Swain's brother joins the party. Nobody remembers. That's that. right. He does. I don't even okay. remember it. I, I'm pretty sure he does. And I have yeah, no recollection of it. <laughs> so That's you have funny. to. I have no recollection of that. You have the ability at that point to switch him uh, into battle. I never once used him, not even just to try it out nope. and see like that, how the, I think that's uh, why how, I think he, yeah, exactly why. Cause they added him to the party and went, no, yeah. I already like, built what? up my party the way I wanted. No, 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 right. no get out of here. The game oh, is really yeah. designed for three party members. Everything in it is three people in mind. And that's how it's going to continue. Marcassin, Marcassin. I don't know. That, that's his name. Marcuson. 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 There yeah. we go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then, um, did did anybody have a favorite song? It was it was hard for me to pick because it's all so good. I'm a sucker for credit songs and like songs that end games and piece of broken heart was so good. Uh, I thought it was was great as the the credits were rolling and you know the game was in. I I I a sucker for that and it it fit the mood so well of of the end of the game. So yeah, that that one was really good. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was the, that was the uh, the overworld song, but with lyrics. I right? think so. Yeah, exactly. Yes, they they added lyrics to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for the for the end of the game. They did. Um, I like the ding dong dell theme just because it was very bouncy and catchy. And you know me, I play the game on mute, so of course. <laughs> <laughs> I like the. Um, I think I already said it earlier. Probably for me, it would be the Motorville theme. Um, as far as like, I mean, honestly, the game overall just has great music. The the ones that got repetitive were the combat theme, the overworld theme a little bit, and then the one town I didn't care for the theme was um was Hamelin. Um, that might be a reused song from other locations too, though. I'm not entirely sure. It I just didn't care for it. Other, but and I don't know specific titles of songs. Um. The rest of the game just basically was uh, really, really good. Yeah, that's one where I went back and listened to the entire soundtrack. And there are usually some games where I just I pick out a, a certain number of tracks that I like and I start playing those. But I think with Nino Kuni, I just went, yeah, I just want to listen to the whole thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, which means that maybe there wasn't like this huge standout track, but it, overall it was, I thought, very good. Level four. They're all standout. Yeah. Their orchestra is just amazing. Well, they use the, um, I actually had I mentioned them by name in the review. I, I think they just use the Tokyo Philharmonic. Phil, Phil oh, yep. cool. No, you're right. That the credits actually they do. Say, yep, say they that. do. Yeah. Yep. So, I, I had it with the composer Joe. Joe Hisaishi. There you go. That. So it, <laughs> does Dragon Quest when they do orchestrate it also use the Tokyo Philharmonic? Oh, let me tell you, when you start up Dragon Quest Eleven, it's like big there and bold letters that that's who's okay. playing it yeah okay that's why it keeps reminding me of dragon quest music <laughs> so uh i mean they they at least for 11 they did it yeah i, I believe I, I would imagine that they're not going out of the country to get their uh songs played yeah. at least when they're doing the uh orchestral orchestral versions oh it's it's good it is mm-hmm. good and then um, the, the last question I always ask, so what were you doing in your life when you were playing uh, Nino Cooney? 
So <laughs> I actually went and fact checked myself about half an hour ago on this and I had all the days wrong. I was off by a whole year. Um, but it was December 2018 that the fan translation dropped for the DS title. And I, I printed out the guidebook, like I said, all 300 pages. I was reading like the fairy tales um, part of it. And you had to read part of it to answer puzzle questions in the DS version of it. Uh, absolutely love that. And I think that was kind of like what I played. Um, I also want to say that was the year that I finished up. Um, oh, the 3DS not quite Saga game, but spiritual successor to Saga. Oh, Legend of Legacy? No, the next one. Alliance Alive? Alliance Alive. It was that same Christmas. I was kind of going back and forth with those two. And then when I why finished Alliance just, Alive... Why did you just say, Pascal, the game that you love so much? Oh, that's right. It, it, it's the game Pascal and I will one day differ in opinions on the uh, backtrack. Coming up this year, I'm pretty sure, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think it was... Thinking back now, it was finishing Alliance Alive that I started up something big afterwards and then also at the same time on my phone put away the DS version. But then later that year, October uh, 2019, was when the Switch port came out, uh, or late September 2019. And I spent most of October playing through it, and I know I got totally sidetracked by the platoon um, (laughs) in the casino. I noticed my review was not until November, so almost like 60 days after the game came out. Um, but I just, that was like my beginning of the school year kind of game. Just really had a lot of fun with that in, uh, late 2019. I died a lot. I died a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) So did I don't feel bad about that. I died a ton, a ton Mm -hmm. early on until I realized, Hey, I should probably grind, uh, for some, yeah, I think it was that tank battle in, uh, Swain's brothers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, that, that big battle, I think, was brutal. the one that, yep, the that first was my first spike. hurdle. Yes, yes. Mm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's the one that, like, convinced me to go and do a little bit of grinding. At, and after that, it was tolerable. Yeah, I don't, I, I think every other death was not because of difficulty. After that, it was because of the battle system. I would screw up and not get over fast enough. I'm like, I, I should be winning this battle. And, you know, one or two resets and I didn't have to grind again. I did look it up. It was I I did all my grinding. We were talking about earlier the grinding spots in the island or in the corridors of the final one. There were three grinding spots and I picked the middle one. Billy Goat Bluff. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it was because, you know, puns all over the place. But it was um, that's where the castle is, I think, isn't it? Yes. At the very end of that, you you, you Mm -hmm. mainly went through a canyon for a while. But you could like warp to the area or fast travel to the area right at the beginning. And when you would fast travel to that place, it reset the spawns. And I want to say if you fast traveled to the spot at the beginning of that pathway and just move to the left, you could instantly see if there was going to be one of those battles. If not, jump back on, warp away, warp right back and rinse and repeat until you could see who's spawning there. Yeah, I I didn't start dying a lot until I got to the the final dungeon, and then it was constant party wipes all the time. And you know, and I I just got through it because I just kept dying, clicking. Because at that point, I know I'm I'm end game. I don't really need the money for anything anymore. So I took the the money penalty for continuing and when you get game over. So. Mm. Um, because it, it takes away 5% of your total gold and gives you a free continue. Um, it just resets you back, I think, to the save point or something like that. But you get to keep like any experience you've you've earned. You know, it's not a not a not a full wipe, I guess, in that way. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only reason I got through that 
stupid last dungeon. Was that the White Witch one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The actual official last. The actual. <laughs> yeah. Not that you should have been. Um. But Pat Pascal, did you have any memories around that time? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you guys all have fun in what 2019 or? <laughs> well, Matt said Kelly will be 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> the game came out in 2013. So I checked over my uh, my trophy list. So I started playing in 2014 is when I got the game. So my first few trophies were unlocked in 2014. Um. Then you'll notice uh, at about yeah, I think I think the tank is what 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 caused me to to stop. Um. I I went back to the tank in 2018, four years later. Um. Beat the tank. Got the next couple of like story beats. And then put the game away again, and I returned to it now in 2022, four years later <laughs> again, to finish up what was left. So I, I think I, I, I mean, I played a good, um, like just now, I played a good 20 to 30 hours, I would say, like 20 hours or so, 25, uh, mm-hmm. to get to the end. So uh, so for me, this has been a process of uh, eight years <laughs> since I started. So you can imagine how fucking happy I am to be done yeah, with I, I, I That is one say, big I, check mark. Time to write that say, review. I, I've been waiting for a while. <laughs> I've never spent that long on a game, but then I'm remembering, well, no, because I feel like it took me that long to finish Shining the Holy Ark on the Saturn because I lost my save file multiple times because of the stupid Saturn internal battery. Mm. And then also issues with like Breath of Fire 4 where I kept like starting the game and giving up and over and over again. So I feel you. Yeah, I, I know. I wish every website would give us an eight year deadline. You know, eight years. You got eight years. I get this game done. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and and email um, after I write it. I'm gonna go ahead and email who is it Atlas and be like, here you go. Here's the link to that review <laughs> you've been waiting on. Go ahead and post it on your social media. So, so the great thing for me is I played it during the summer, and that's when you know my job is pretty slow. I can take days off, all that. I finished this game in probably like eight days. Uh, I finished this game so fast. I had so much time, which is probably a good thing because there is like some grinding elements. So I was glad I was able to kind of take my time with it and get through all a lot of the grindy stuff to get to everything good. But this also came right after I just finished Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which I hated that game and i know it's a good game and it's fine i just could not get the battle system i was terrible at it so when i went to nino cooney i'm like all right well at least the battle system sucks but i understand it to a certain degree <laughs> so like that was fine so it, it kind of like mended that fence I was like, yeah it's it's not that bad it's not xenoblade chronicles 2 but uh also it was i i just got hbo max and so i was blitzing through a ton of studio Ghibli movies so for this game to kind of just land in that spot i I had a lot of games in my backlog and I immediately picked this one up once I started, you know, rewatching those movies mm-hmm. and it, it immediately hit that kind of the same note or the notes that I kind of wanted. So that, that probably helped out a lot. And also uh, one thing that, that was great. One of my favorite childhood places uh, in ocean city, New Jersey was called castaway cove. And when I found out there was a castaway cove oh. in this game, I like lit up and that was, it was funny because it actually happened a few days after this place that I would go to, like an arcade uh, ride park in the boardwalk and the beach, like burned down. So like it was, it was in my brain, like Castaway Cove, it just like burned down. And all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we're going to go to a ship at Castaway Cove. I'm like, no, you're not. It's not there anymore. No, you're, you're not going to. And so it, it, it definitely hit a, a few certain like nostalgia vibes for me, which is pretty cool. I, I love when RPGs go to like a tropical, like, beachside town or something it's another place you don't get to see a whole lot in rpgs i feel like yeah oh i love it yeah castaway cove is such a great name 
I love it. Costa del Sol and Final Fantasy VII. I can't wait for uh, that to show up in the remake. I feel like there was something in Chrono Cross like that, too. I think yes, for some Chrono reason, Cross. my mind went straight to that. Don't ask me why. Um, in Castaway Cove, I kept trying to figure out a way to interact with those blue crabs that you'll see. Um <laughs> like out of reach like they're always on like the part you can't walk on so i'm like um can swain like use his gun do i have a spell i i i was convinced there was some way to like those are there for a reason right like i'm supposed to like collect them or something nope i guess not like i don't think there is yeah um so my my memory i i got the game like right when it came out and was was playing it in 2013 and i remember getting to the comedy bit and and not really flying on, over my head, but it more like just kind of being like, what are they trying to go for here, you know? And, and and whenever I have something like that happen, I always wonder what it was like the, in the original Japanese. So I had made a save file right there, so I quick switched the language over to Japanese and called my husband into the room and being, being like... Okay, listen to this comedy bit and and tell me what what it kind of was doing. And you know he understand he can understand Japanese pretty well, and I don't understand a lick of it. So he's listening to it in Japanese and just laughing his ass off. And <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, what did I miss? Why am I not getting this? And he goes, because Japanese humor is very pun based, and that whole skit was pretty much like like who's on first. And I'm like. Oh, okay. That just flew right over my head for some reason. That's very interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I just, maybe I was half asleep when I was trying to watch that or some, something. And, and like, after he explained it to me that pun-based humor was what it was supposed to be going for, then it was like, oh, okay. And then listen to it like, oh, and well, now, now I see the cleverness of it. Because it's like, is, is that too big an axe? It, it didn't dawn on me that it was like, it, he was asking too big of an ask. Um, Did you? Did you have your husband like do a comparison on on Mr. Drippy just to see like what his original? Mm, <laughs> I was like... I was meaning to ask about that. Yeah, I, I'm I'd... very curious about it. I didn't get a chance to, and I'm always curious about that too. What the original accents are, where when um, they try to localize them, um, and yeah, I I ask him that kind of stuff a lot, and he usually tells me, but I don't think I um, asked him about Drippy. I do know that he was telling me that the subtitles in the game were awful because it was just the subtitles for the English track and not the actual translation. Um, speaking of the comedy. But am I the only one that feels like so um on the I think it's on the over on the overworld when you approach the, the fairy village on the fairy island or whatever? Um does anybody else think there's like a weird thing going on where uh the fairy is she is she the godmother? Is that what she's called? Or the fairy mother or the 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 the, the, the HBIC? Fairy godmother. <laughs> um her her face like kind of comes out from the forest like it's like towering over the trees right because she's huge but then there's these other two like hilly bumps in front of her coming jutting over over the tree tops yeah am i the only one that feels like hmm, you're the only bear fairy boobs or what is this and not like in any way, shape, or form like <laughs> attractive at all. Like they're just it's, made to look weird. It's Japan, of course. They're going to put hill boobs in. That's hill what boobs. Japan does. <laughs> Whenever they can find a way, they they will find a way. All right. Also, what is it about Japan Japanese RPGs and going in somebody's body as a dungeon? That part was extremely weird. Yeah, I, I and like it ended up just being you know whatever part of the game, but yeah, I. 
I don't know yeah, the the whole going not. going inside. It was a, that was an odd part. Probably Even one of the most game took, a, took a weird left turn there. I mean, at least it wasn't gross like how it was in Jabu Jabu's dungeon in uh, Ocarina of Time. Zelda, but yeah, yeah it's, well, that was it's gross. Still... Why was that gross? Uh, uh, the body acid and the valves mm. and just it looked weird. <laughs> I don't know, but body inside body dungeons and video games always just kind of they don't gross me out, but they just kind of disturb me. Yeah, I mean, it's it is weird that like the other fairies live inside like there's actual like rooms with furnishings in there. Yeah. In the in the fairy mother, eh, whatever. <laughs> um. It, it, yeah. It's a weird, a weird thing. Yeah, and then like sliding down to get it. it was, it was that that entire sequence was one of the weirdest parts of the game, especially gameplay and and the objectives and what you had to do. That was honestly one of the times. Just what are we doing here? What is all of this? Because <laughs> yeah, at the end, I think you like beat a boss and you gotta like slide or whatever. It was, it was weird. Those whole fairy grounds, that whole island, like wasn't in the uh, DS version at all. Because mm. it was, I, I want to say, I got past where that would have been and i just looked it up to double check and i was like oh yeah that was something that actually surprised me when then i was playing through later so uh, was that all of our memories or did anybody have anything else my memories are only 24 hours old at this point well so uh, they're pretty it, much done <laughs> uh, i was gonna say is I'll, it that like 10 years an old man you, you, <laughs> just uh, wow it. thank you wow. for not i don't know who you're even referring to right now uh, so. i just <laughs> I, I was just making a burn <laughs> on somebody else, I guess, because it's not. I, I think I may be actually older than Pascal. Yeah, old man. Hey, it, at least you don't get PS5 and 3 confused. So <laughs> um, it happens. It happens. And who remembers kinda, the PS3 anyway? I, I still have mine hooked up because I can't backwards compatible that one. I mean, this is what I was playing Nino Kuni on all of this past like week or so. <laughs> Okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> that being said, uh, yeah, the, the game is astonishingly cheap. The PS3 version is like ten bucks. Um, the Switch version is thirty dollars physical, and I think it's it goes always on sale on, sale on my yeah. PlayStation yeah. Store or Switch. It is always on sale. Same and always you can buy that for ten bucks digitally easily. Yeah. yeah. So, ten. Yeah. What? That's a steal. Even with all the reservations about certain aspects that we talked about. Like, there's no way I wouldn't recommend this game to somebody that, like, just, like, likes RPGs. I mean, at least try it. The first few hours will most likely convince you to keep playing at least for, you know, until you hit that that first, like, spike of difficulty or you're just, like, I'm sick of this battle system. If it happens, then so be it. Like, there's no reason no that you shouldn't just try it, at least. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cute game. It's one of game. my favorites, I think. Um. I mean, despite the kind of the flaws with the battle system and some of the story flaws, it, it really is a cute game. You're just either going to love it or hate it. Well, it's just you got to get past the if you can get past the usual JRPG tropes and you know the, the grinding and all that. If you can get past all of that, you can definitely get past it in this game because it that's the thing. That's the hold up on it. It is a it is a typical JRPG underneath the 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 clothing of Studio Ghibli and level five and all that it. It ends up just being a, a pretty typical JRPG experience with some really great story elements and visuals. Uh, but if you can get past that, you'll you'll end up loving a game that that does have some great style to it. No, you're right. That's I think that's the word I used in my review. Is it's prototypical JRPG, 
but it's got an awesome story and that awesome beginning and just charm. Charm. I was about to say it too. Yeah. Charming that's, AF. That's what I say. <laughs> And, you know, at, at the time, I feel like people were kind of down on it a little bit. Like, it was too kitty, and I, I don't, I didn't get the hate for it back in the day. Yeah, no. I don't even think that, like, like very, like, young kids couldn't really cope with it due to, like, the mechanical issues in the combat. And the story is a little on the darker side at times. I don't, I don't think at all it's, it's that much of a kitty game in the end. Yeah, and that's and, what I, I said, too. It's like, don't let the charm fool you. Like at all, it's it's charming. It could have some like yeah, kids element, and and obviously Oliver's uh, a kid. But it once you get past like the surface level stuff, it is a hard not hard, but it's it's a you know, JRPG experience that you know isn't really for or catered towards kids. No, it's adults. more like it's more for the kid and you kind of rather than just yeah. for for kids. Well, I feel like it, yeah, it's, and it's a Studio Ghibli thing that I I feel like I understand those movies more now as an adult than I ever did as a kid. I just thought, wow, it looks great, but now I I understand those those movies probably more now than I would have years ago. It's like a good Disney movie where you don't get all the jokes until you're older. Exactly. Hey, just like with me and Roger Rabbit. <laughs> there was there was that joke um where is. Is the first of the dungeons that you complete the one that turns you into a frog um, when you're on the hunt for the three like magical stones like the you know like every JRPG has the three MacGuffins you have to collect like very Zelda-ish kind of um, so after that you you turn the um, uh, what is it? Prince Ali I think is his name like taken straight out of like um, a thousand and one nights mm-hmm. um, and his and his uh, fiance I, I guess is what she is or whatever. Like, so they turn back into um, humans and go back to Alma Moon. And at some point um, you're talking to them and uh, I can't remember who Drippy or somebody says, okay, well, I, th- I think the two of them would like some alone time now. And Oliver is like, well, wh- what do you mean? I don't understand. And oh. like, and again, the rest of the party is just like, like just kind of uh, jumps on him a little bit about just being naive and it's never explicitly stated, but come on, what 13 year old wouldn't. <laughs> so he's clearly not 13. <laughs> like, would absolutely know what was what was being referred to yeah i i i honestly wonder if um he was meant to be younger in the japanese version and they aged him up a little bit (laughs) he just seems too young i was trying to look up esther's age and i couldn't find it like it's listed in the fan wiki as unknown but she doesn't seem far away from oliver at all yeah well i mean Um, Maybe she's 13 and he's supposed to be eight, but. Oh, um, I, are we ready to put this one to bed? I, I think that we had a good time talking about this one, all things considered. Oh, definitely. Um, th- thank you, Pascal, for being on. And thank you, John, for jo- joining us for the first time. I hope you can come back soon. I hope so. I, d- I heard tales in a couple of weeks, so I don't know. We'll see. Hey, so, so, go to our list and sign yourself up for some. We always need more warm bodies. And um, th- thank you, Andy, for being as- with us in spirit. I know that you were really sick, and I know you really wanted to be on. I, I feel your pain. I probably should have skipped out last time because I was so sick. But I'm, I'm kind of the host. I kind of have to be here most of the time. And, and, of course, thank you, as always, to my co-host, Matt Mason, who I could not do this without. Oh, you you, you heard all the cats together. I just yep. uh, I splice it all together later. Yep, well... <laughs> It is truly a group effort, and I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate everybody that listens and the guests that come to hang out with us for a couple of hours every night. 
or every show. Um, <laughs> we don't do this every night. No, but we'll see no. you again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think it is Tales of Symphonia next. It is, unless there's any unless there's any hiccups. But yeah, um, th- thanks thanks guys for hanging out, and we shall see you next show. Get you. <laughs>